1: You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow, okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza, because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich <laughs> Give <me> a, <laughs> I a you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. You. In, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling
0: at me, I agree. And we are back once again on the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Creech. Alongside as always a very tired Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? Everybody calm down. Here is the Wrestle
1: Kingdom preview show. All <laughs> been, I, is it up I mean, yet?
0: I, is it up yet, Joe? <laughs> like I'm actually flattering. publishing it as I'm editing it as we're talking right now. I'm getting it as quickly as humanly possible up to uh uh up to the the, the ethers and to the web. So don't worry.
1: It's extremely flattering. I understand. <laughs> but um uh yeah, I mean we just published the the 2018 year in review, the new Japan book. I'm sure that most people listening to this are privy to that, but I got to get the plug out of the way right away. And, uh, let me tell you like every year, because we never learn, um, th- the final word enters that book about 30 minutes before you see the book. It's, it's a ridiculous process. Um, now, now I have been awake for the last three or four nights until like 4:30 or five o'clock, uh, in the morning, uh, my lovely bride TLB has no idea why she married me at this point. She's finally reconsidering it. Rich, <laughs> I, I
0: asked She's... you when we started uh, on the recording. I said, "Oh, you're still married," because I heard uh, one of the kids in the background. It was, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough for the uh, the wives of, of voices of wrestling uh, this time of year, but uh, we'll make it through it. You're writing what?
1: until 5 in the morning. Explain again. <laughs> she has no concept or clue what's going on. I was
0: in the car the other day. She, we had to meet somebody in uh, downtown Chicago and and usually I'll drive or whatever and Michelle's fine with it you know, whatever. It's not any man woman thing. It's just like, you know, she likes to fuck around on her phone and I don't mind driving. I I enjoy driving, but I was like, babe, you're going to have to drive and can I borrow your laptop? And I was like we're we're stuck in traffic and I'm Purse bursting through a like a a (laughs) bio, and I'm like, "What?" She's like, "This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen." We're going to like meet her friends for some classy dinner, and I'm like, "Ah, so uh, how do I explain what injury Kitsamura had?" (laughs) What am I doing? What am I doing with my life?
1: You 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 know, it's like you really self reflect (laughs) when it's two forty five in the morning, and you've got writer's block with your (laughs) Toa Hanare bio, and and you start writing something, and you delete it, and you start writing something, and you're like, I don't like that angle. And then, no offense to Toa Hanare, who I think is an excellent wrestler, but then you, you kind of it just you have this epiphany, and you're like, it's Toa Hanare. Write anything, you know. It, it's like, but no, I'll sit there and and stew over it, and and write 400 words, and decide they're not good enough, and start over. And that's why I'm awake till 5:30 in the morning writing the book. And uh, yes, I am very tired, but it's fine. My sleep pattern is completely destroyed, but that's fine, too, because I got to stay up in a couple of days. I was going to say, it show.
0: needs to be. It needs to be this week. So that's fine. You're You're on the right path then.
1: Yeah, you got to watch this dopey show in three days. So... Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and this will be awake for it because, well, well, like you, I, I'm, I, I don't even want to look at anything New Japan Pro Wrestling related until that fucking show comes on now. Because uh, uh, you write the book and you get totally burnt out by it. This is a great ad for the book. By I the way,
0: I was going to say slash njpw 18 to download the book. It, uh, we're putting it down mostly because we've spent every waking moment of our lives working on it. But uh, for those of you who haven't, you'll probably enjoy it a lot. A lot of good stuff. Uh, as always in the book this year, uh, we got essays from a bunch of people all across the the internet, D- different bubbles as well, which I think was an important part about doing it in this, in this year's book. Cause you know, we can hear from the same five voices over and over and over again, but it was pretty cool to, to get a, a few new perspectives in there in the essays section. We got amazing stats. Uh, Josh Engelman who works for a daily fantasy sports, awesome-o, uh, com, got did some insane work in, in terms of stats. We got like fall differentials, which is really, really cool stuff in there. So yeah, a lot of great stats as Joe mentioned, the profiles done by uh, John Carroll, Andrew Rich, myself, and and, and Joe uh, detailed stuff on title histories, detailed stuff on championships, detailed stuff on tournaments, every review we've ever posted. You wrote under the radar matches. We got like st- other statistical analysis, like just a ton of absolute shit. <laughs> it's so it, there's a, there's so much in there for you. But uh, voice on a com slash NJPW eighteen. Uh, I'm glad it's over, but uh, I'm always pretty proud when we do eventually release it, and we we do hear the good praise for it as well. So.
1: Rich has requested that if you see any typo, no matter how big or small, (laughs) forward it directly (laughs) to email. And if you you, at the end of the show, I'm going to be giving out Rich's phone number. He wants a text message for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Any misspelling, any typo, anything, because Rich wants nothing more than to get his nose back into that book over the next (laughs) three days and correct every little mistake in the 300,000 how many words are in this thing right, so i got
0: the i got the exact numbers here let me uh, oh god where did it go oh i had it and i lost it uh it was somewhere hey, around 297,000 words or something somewhere in that rate. yeah it was just under 300,000 if i remember correctly and then uh something like a 1, 1. 1.4 million characters in the book as well so yeah there's quite a lot of content in there so
1: yes there is uh so uh, oh and we should mention it is once again i don't know if i, I don't even know if I, I can't even hear at this point. I don't know if you mentioned it, but it is uh, uh, Name Your Own Price Again, uh, suggested retail price five ninety nine. dollars That's what it'll be for sale for on Amazon, but it is Name Your Own Price Again. You can download it for free if you like, but please consider that the, uh, the everyone who contributes to the book gets paid directly, a percentage based directly off the sales. So uh, if you want to take care of everybody, uh, not me and Rich, forget us. Don't worry about us. But if you want to uh, make sure that everybody else gets taken care of, um, you know, consider, uh, throwing a few bucks towards the book, but, uh, if you want to, if you've never read it before and, and, and you want to check it out first, you want to download it for free or you simply can't afford it. That's fine too. Just slap the download button with $0 in the box. But, uh, but if you can throw a few bucks at it so we can, uh, split up the pot and make sure everybody gets a nice payday, uh, all the contributors, then, uh, then, uh, you know, give us whatever you can, whatever you feel, uh, our effort was worth. So, uh, so that's that with the book.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I know a lot of people did mention. I, I, I should just before we conclude there, uh, Cody did the forward for us as well. Our, our good personal friend, Cody, which I again I thought was a pretty interesting thing because you know, we I, I and I mentioned this in the introduction to the book too. There's times where I consider him like an actual like enemy of this website at times, but you know, overall, like, the passion of pro wrestling will kind of supersede any of that eventually so it's kind of cool to you know even though we have never seen eye to eye with him I know you wrote uh about him in the book and and you know didn't give like 100% glowing reviews I mean we're, we're honest we're gonna tell you what we think about stuff but uh I, I think it was pretty cool that he was able to do that and do the forward and stuff and I know people have been really excited about that as well there's some uh interesting news on uh, in his forward as well so if you kind of pick through that you might uh, find something a uh, little tidbit that you find interesting so. yeah
1: he threw a couple bones in the forward now you know, the absolute cowards that I work with all ran from the Cody profile because they knew he'd probably be. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I thought about that. I was like, I'm not touching that. So I wrote the Cody profile and then I read it back. And I, like, I said, you know what? This is probably way too positive now. But I, I, I don't know. I just I didn't have a ton of terrible when I really looked at his New Japan run this year. It Really wasn't all that bad. I mean there it was it there was it, it really i mean he you know, parachutes in for the big shows
0: right if you what kill him, I- if you kill him for not being there, that's one thing, but we don't know the deal I mean it, it might, you know it's it, if if that that's the thing that you can really if you want to be real negative about Cody this year is that yeah he wasn't around all the time, but i, I can't kill the guy for that i mean well, that's – you know well what was I supposed to bury
1: like the Kota Ibushi match was fucking great yeah and and maybe the best match of his life he had that three way in Australia that i that i I think I wrote about that three way in Australia nineteen different times in the book. A match that barely anybody saw, but it is on New Japan World. That match was fucking awesome. Yes. I Uh, watched it.
0: uh, I watched it after you you did it. it. I I I never saw it. I hadn't seen it before. So while I was working on the book, I was like, well, fuck, I better watch this. That fucking match rocked. (laughs) I loved it.
1: The three-way, right? The one in Perth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was it was was Cody, Willow Spray, and Robbie Eagles. And they just fucking blew and super hot crowd. You you know, you can see why I do you understand why I rave about that match 19 times in the book? I mean, just a a tremendous match. So it's like and, and the thing about the the Cody. Kenny Omega match in the Cal Palace, that match was divisive, but I didn't hate that match. I thought it was just I thought it was a pretty good plunder match. So when you really look at his year, I believe me, I was trying to bury the guy, but I I really couldn't find a lot of angles to bury him. And then I read the profile back and I was like, oh, people are going to think that I'm just fucking kissing his ass, but what (laughs) can you do? I just, I wrote an honest profile. I don't think it was an overly glowing profile, but I didn't really bury him either, but who knows? But like Rich said, I mean, we've had this ongoing feud with the guy. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a love hate thing. I wouldn't say it's on the same scale as the Gabe Sapolsky thing where he flat out wants to murder us at times. And then other times he's our best bud. It's just one of those things where it, that tells me rich, that we're always honest. Yeah. Right. Right. You know what I mean? That tells me that we're always honest where sometimes these guys, you know, don't even, you know, when they want to give a shit other times it, that must mean we're, we're doing this properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Rich reach out to him to right forward. He agreed instantly. Look, he understands the game too. You know, it, it's a, a, a lot of that early stuff. It was kind of hard to get a, a read on Cody whether he was like working when it came to the bullshit with us, or whether he was genuinely upset. I think it was a little bit of both. Um, But I think he does understand the game, and 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 he does understand that sometimes, you know, we do have to be critical, and and and. I, I don't think he's ever truly taken buried the shit out of him sometimes. Some of the stuff, like super personally, it just, you know, I'm sure it hurts professionally to have your work critiqued uh, in, in that way. I mean, it, you know, it, when people send us shit, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, my it hurts for a second yeah. sometimes. Oh, no, no, it ruins my on. day, and though. I'm, I'm sure done. I'm done. I'm
0: done. I'm done with someone talking shit about me. <laughs> All right. Um, so before we get to the Wrestle Kingdom, of course, that is going to be the big topic of today's show. We do have to touch on uh, two things here. Uh, of course, the first uh, one was uh, some bad news we heard about earlier today. Mean Gene Okerlund passed away. Joe, we've talked a lot about Mean Gene on our uh, Patreon side when we were discussing the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and 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 you know just uh, just his background and and all he was kind of worth and all that sort of stuff. But um, what were your thoughts when you heard about the passing of Mean Gene? And for I mean, everybody know. I mean, this is not like sometimes we have to come on here and be like, hey, here's what this guy did, and here's like a run that you you should go watch. And like everybody gets mean Gene, right? Nobody nobody doesn't quite understand the the, the impact or the importance of mean jean Oakland, right? Like that he's pretty universal. Like everyone knows he's the best at what he did. Uh and he was incredible for, at doing it for for decades.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to add. He was the best at what he did. That's that's just it. There's no need to expand. Um, I was a Hall of Fame voter for Gene Okerlund until he finally got in. Um, You know, he was. Everyone's familiar with his WWF stuff with Hulk Hogan, and everyone's familiar, you know, with his WCW stuff. You know, showing for the Hotline and and all that, and and really what might predate some of our listeners is the AWA stuff, which you know was arguably his best work. You know, his AWA stuff and his early. WWE stuff, I think, is his best work. And, and especially when you watch that stuff through 2019, I got it right, uh, Eyes, and um, th- the way that interviewers sort of do their job now compared to how somebody like Gene Okerlund did it and its night and day. I mean, now you have robots who just stand there. And the wrestler cuts their pre-scripted promo, and then they both stare into the <laughs> void. Yet. And there's just—it's lifeless. It's—it's it's, it, there's no skill whatsoever. There's no such thing as being good or bad at that job anymore. You just exist. Um, they're hiring you on looks and, and things like that, and it, there's really zero skill involved, you know. And 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 it's really not even the fault of the performers. They have no room to be good or bad at that job. <laughs> it's just it's just everyone just you just it's it's you follow a very strict protocol and that's that where and then you go back and and watch Gene Okerlund and the way he would react with his mannerisms and facial expressions and the best stuff that he did other than you know it, it weren't even words it was just the way he moved his body the facial expressions he would make when wrestlers said that, to help them emphasize their points and get themselves over and get their opponents
0: over. Yeah, him. I always like the mean jean like where, where he'd put his finger over his mouth and kind of like grab his chin, like the yeah, I'm I'm listening, yeah. I'm listening, but uh, I don't know. I like and you knew yeah. his, like question, like mm, I don't know about that logic there. I don't quite buy that. He's telling the viewer this heel's
1: full of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Are you
0: sure about that? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and, and 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 the other thing he would do sometimes is like especially in the WWE day, the early WWE days when they would do the local promos. And it'd be a guy who wasn't a particularly smooth promo and he was losing his way. Me and Gene had a way to either get those guys back on track by, you know, taking the mic from them and, and, and saying something to get them back on track, you know, with their thought process, or if it was an absolute train wreck, he would just lean into it and make sure it was just a, 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 the worst train wreck possible. So it was entertaining on some level. So he was really great at that too he wasn't just holding a microphone and letting a wrestler talk he was listening and reacting and he was an active part of the promo and 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 was a helpful part in helping the promo do its intended job which is to get the wrestler over get the opponent over and to sell tickets
0: uh and lastly before we move on you know for people that were talking about the AWA stuff if they haven't seen it what what in in what made him that much better, you think, in AWA than than in, in WWE or even in WCW? And, and and you mentioned like the early parts of WWE was was a little bit different than obviously the later years. But what was so important about him for in, in AWA for people that may not have ever seen that or 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 are going to seek it out now if they have the ability to? Well,
1: I don't think he was drastically different. I think it's probably just a matter of um, less oversight and less hands-on from his bosses in AWA than he had. It's the same thing 30 years ago as it is today. Vince McMahon's a very hands-on guy who wants things done his way. I'm not saying – look, his work was great in WWF too, I, especially early on. Yeah. And and I guess that explanation would make sense because he came into the WWF in what, 84 or something like – 84, 85? 84, 84, 84 yeah. Yeah, so it's like – you know. Mean Gene in '84 '85 is very different than Mean Gene in you know 1990 WWF because Vince McMahon was very different. He was more hands-on uh, as the years passed and more controlling over every little bit to where, and that has continued today. So you, you know, I think that might have something to do with it, but it's not like it 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 was he it was he did some drastically different job uh, in AWA to WWF. I just think he was more produced as the years moved along. And then by the time he got to WCW, it was less about the stand-up promo to try to sell a ticket to Des Moines, Iowa – and it was more about getting people to call that hotline. Right. And, it was more and he about- was so
0: good. I mean, the hotline was the sleaze of all sleaze. Mm-hmm. But, dude, that guy was making so much money on the hotline. I think I think if I remember correctly, he had a deal where he got, like, some huge percentage of hotline sales. So it's like, of course, this guy's sole intention is going to be to send people to the hotline or whatever. And he did it, like, amazingly well. I forget one time. I, I know in one of the bios, I think Dave talked about the money that he brought in on a yearly basis just from that hotline. It's, like, nuts when you realize that. Like, wrestling hotlines were such a big deal and 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 wcw was one of the most profitable ones
1: yeah and and like the way that his come-ons were very sleazy it's like if you were a newsletter reader at the time you would think you you know you can work it out it would take a couple seconds you'd be like oh okay he's talking about hacksaw jim duggan you know what i mean but like if you were just some common viewer and and he's doing this sleazy come on where he's like you know, a former world champion is on his way to WCW. Like, <laughs> right, right. You're thinking it's like fucking some huge megastar. You think Shawn Michaels is coming in, right? But, but then if you were a newsletter reader, you would know that, oh, maybe some former world tag team champion just left WWF, you know, one half of some team. Like, that's who he's talking about. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you always yeah, be able to Ming's it Ming's coming in. Were,
0: Ming, the former King Haku was coming in, and that's exactly like,
1: you know. Like, that's what it, and you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, he's talking about Haku, you know, but, right. but he would frame it in such a way where he, you know, but, but it, it walked the line, too. There were times where he would talk about people that died and be like, oh, a former major star uh, that held a world title passed away, and you're like, oh, my God. But it was like some old time, it'd be, just, it'd be some 98-year-old man who, you know, uh, nobody remembers. <laughs> Orville Brown passed away or something, and, you know, he He's making you think that it's, uh, you know, someone contemporary that, you know, so sometimes it did walk a line too, but um, look, he was getting a piece of it. Um, th- there were there aren't many of us uh, who, who wouldn't have approached it at least in a similar manner. And um, yeah, so um, Mean Gene, I thought was just, uh, you know, uh, tremendous at his job from the beginning of his career to the end.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I, I know you, do you still know the WCW hotline number? I know it off the top of my head because he was very good at his job. 909 9900 Come on, how do you not? Lee Marshall's good at that too. Later, <laughs> he did he did a good job of, oh, yeah. of getting Tony the there tiger. too. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know the WWE. I don't remember the WF hotline number, but I do remember the Mean Gene one because he was he was good at it. Like you said, it's like a former champion backstage at Nitro. Find out now. One And I was like, oh shit, find out what that is. And yeah, I, I, did you ever did you ever call in the hotlines? I would do the listen for like I knew when the minute was going to come because I'm I'm not paying for the minute. I'm I'm just right. getting in there. No, I mean. 55 Crage, seconds said.
1: <laughs> you, you like, I can totally see you as a thirteen year old <laughs> holding a fucking stopwatch <laughs> and hanging up at
0: 59 seconds. I'm like, here we go, here's the news. And it never came. Yeah. Never came, believe it or not. So
1: Well, the thing about it is is by then I was already reading the sheets, Rich.
0: Right. I didn't have the sheets in front of me. So that's, you know
1: Yeah. So uh so no, I don't think I ever called the WCW hotline. Lee Marshall also dead.
0: Right. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was a few years ago, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's he died a, while. Yeah, a couple years ago. The original yeah. Tony the Tiger,
0: yeah, Marshall. All right, they're well, great.
1: Right? Is that the line? They're great. I think he delivered it with more enthusiasm than that. But I that was it. The, they're great. brought the Tony ones, the Tiger line. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. they're they're all
0: right. They're fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're adequate. <laughs>
0: all right. Uh, All right. So that is uh, is me and Gene, unfortunately, a little bit abbreviated there. But, yeah, as I said, there's not much more to say. He's incredible at his job, and uh, he'll definitely be missed. Uh, Before we get to Wrestle Kingdom as well, we do need to touch on the big news, I would say, of the early week. All Elite Wrestling, Joe, we had mentioned it a couple weeks back when we knew about the trademarks. We had kind of – you know, I think we were pretty – we're pretty clear with people that we, everything that we had been hearing and everything that we were kind of reading and all the tea leaves or whatnot, was that this thing was happening. There was some, some question about who it was happening with or when it would be happening, but everything felt like this was going to happen. And the announcement was of course made, uh, what, fucking New Year's Day, right? New Year's Eve, 12 a.m. or whatever, but it's official. All Elite Wrestling is happening. Uh, Cody is officially there. I think earlier today, the Bucks signed their contract. Hangman Page signed their contract. Uh, a few other people as well. I know Britt Baker, uh, as we're recording this, just got announced that she has signed a contract uh, with them as well. But uh, Joe, overall thoughts, All Elite Wrestling, it is happening. And, uh, and what's it going to do? And what's it going to do to the industry?
1: Um, I, I mean, you're seeing ripple effects already. I don't think that you see this mad scramble for talent by MLW and ring of honor and WWE and impact and, 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 and all of these places, um, WWN without all elite, you know, coming in and scaring the shit out of everybody. Um, I think it impacted WWE's last big signing class, which reports this month. I think it affected WWE continuing never to cut anybody think that this is going to have ripple effects all the way to Japan because we have to see which side of the aisle New Japan decides to side with. Um, They've had a business relationship with Ring of Honor for a long time. Obviously, all elite wrestling is going to want to have a business relationship with New Japan. I don't care what anybody in the elite elite says publicly or otherwise. They all want to continue working in New Japan. They do. I've been saying for months and months and months that the elite, uh, I stood by that. I'm sure that they sent WWE a ridiculous number where if WWE would have agreed, they would have shrugged their shoulders and said, well, we can't turn that down. But, um, and actually, I think that was reported that you know there was some kind of deal that WWE declined. Um, but aside from that, I didn't think they were ever going to go. I thought there was too much money to be left on the table outside of WWE. WWE is always going to be there. Um, when the elite cools off, or if this thing that they're doing falls apart, or whatever the case, they could always go to WWE. That's not going anywhere. There was always too much money still on the t- Once All In sold eleven thousand tickets, those guys weren't going to WWE unless they were blown away. I mean, that's all there is to it because you're gonna at minimum do All In too, which was also announced by the way, double or nothing. I believe they're calling it double
0: or no, Yeah, correct.
1: But you've got those ripple effects now, and and we'll see what side of the aisle New Japan falls on. Ring of Honor and the Elite were all, you know, um, it was this amicable parting of ways and giving everybody hugs and kisses. But you know, they're direct competitors now, so um, I can totally see Ring of Honor and all Elite really angling against each other to to see who's going to, uh, you know, be the American business partner moving forward for New Japan, which is which is a key thing, and I would think with the the talent that All Elite has compared to the talent that Ring of Honor has, I think there's a very real possibility that New Japan sides with All Elite. Um, now, Ring of Honor has the advantage of the built-in business relationship, um, and 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 New Japan knows what they're dealing with with Ring of Honor, but I guess it's all going to depend on what's important to New Japan is, is the talent that could be offered from a given promotion, the most important thing are, um, you know, the potential business tentacles in the United States, more important, the stability of a company that's existed for a number of years and is owned by, uh, a multi-billion dollar, uh, corporation compared to a new company that has, you know, no history and, 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 and no track record of stability. Uh, and you know, so all of those things are going to come into play. The point here, is this already has had far-reaching business implications and they have like four wrestlers under contract and no plans to even run a show yet. So, um, you know, and they haven't even announced an outlet for distribution. You know, we know that they're talking to several television networks. The big, big rumor going on is maybe they'll just bypass television. And, Hook up with uh, you know one of these new streaming services, whether it's the thing that Bleacher Report has cooking,
0: yeah, or- Bleacher Report Live or whatever. And, and Bleacher Report, by the way, is owned by Turner Sports too, so that's a pretty big right. deal. They're not just like a you know fly by night thing. That's that's Turner Sports backed, so that's a big, pretty big deal. Which
1: I suspect, and I don't know anything. I suspect that's where the TNT rumors got started.
0: I think so, too. Yeah, TNT is a weird spot for them. Maybe TBS, but I feel like if there was going to be any property that they would want to send people to, it's probably that BR Live or whatever. I think that's what they call it, BR Live, because that's more of the sports property. Of TNT, other than you know, obviously TNT has has NBA and they'll still show that. But for the most part, otherwise they kind of stay out of it. Yeah, you're what you're Saturday night baseball, your Sunday afternoon baseball or whatever on TBS. But for the most part, they kind of steer clear of sports. and And I would assume that if they were going to bring on another sports property, it'd probably be for that BR Live, which is you know gets a decent amount of traction. But I think they would, if if they can get a big time wrestling company or a big time something live to go on there, I think they would definitely prefer that.
1: Yeah. So I suspect that somebody heard turner thrown out there and just assume that meant the television side right. I, I i think that's how that rumor got started again i know nothing um we know way less than people think no
0: i know media. everyone's like ah, oh, you know and i'm like dude i know what you know man like i, I know what it.
1: you know i hear the I same- heard,
0: we've been reading the tea leaves i think that's what i mentioned earlier is when we talked about this many money in november the idea that you know people were talking about the trademarks were filed and we kind of said okay well if trademarks are filed there you go and it was tony khan and 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 chad khan at that point too and we kind of talked about them both and tony khan it was mentioned in the observer as being you know wrestling observer subscriber for years we're like hey this guy knows what he's doing or whatnot and then everything else we've basically just been kind of following along you can kind of look at people going nuts people getting signed walter getting the deal that he got and we were like all right well we i think we flat out said that what four or five weeks ago that when we were talking about all these contracts that now you know for a fact this all thing is happening because the reason this is all happening is because everyone's freaking out if everyone starts signing and going nuts and WWE starts doing this and doing this and doing that you know something's happening I don't know what's happening, but yeah. something is happening. We knew that something was happening.
1: Yeah, and it's like we we we're hearing the same circular rumors that everybody else is hearing. I, I don't know anything nobody else knows. Um, you know, it's it's I, I ain't nothing verifiable anyway. I mean, we've we've seen some names of indie wrestlers who have supposedly signed. You want me to come on this show and start rattling off those names? We don't know that that's true. <laughs> right. I can't do that. That's not that's not Joel Lanza and Rich Crage you know, hoarding information and, and playing the, we know something you don't know game. I can't, th- that's, that's pretty irresponsible. That could hurt someone's career. Um, if I just throw out someone's name who has a contract with someone else that hasn't expired yet. And you, you, I'm not messing with that shit. Okay. I'm not getting sued by insert, you know, indie wrestler here because I I killed his contract, but I mean, you know, so I've seen a couple of the names that they're bringing in and then they all make sense. I mean, our listeners are smart, If there's an indie wrestler out there who has a pretty decent name, right, and you haven't seen them sign somewhere else, it's probably one of the names we've seen. Right. <laughs> okay, this isn't difficult. They're signing anyone with name value. So just think of your favorite indie star. Hmm, he's not signed. They've probably signed him or are going to sign him. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, this isn't they're not being select there's no room to be selective here. There's not a, a gigantic pool of talent. You know, you have to take what's out there and you have to sign the biggest names. And those biggest names are the names that we've had come through our inbox, as rumored to either have signed or 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 signing shortly. And contracts take time. The Young Bucks weren't even signed to this thing um, at the time that they announced uh, that it was being rolled out. You know, they didn't sign until a day later. Cody was the only one that had his name on paper when the thing got announced. So, um, you know, it takes time for lawyers to look over things and get things documented, but the names will come out over time. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you see the ripple effects already. There's a lot of conjecture out there. Oh, people are overblowing the impact that this thing is going to have. I, I think people are downplaying the impact that this thing is going to have, quite honestly. I, I think the problem you run into, Rich, and I know you could expand on this point, is if you use the word competition.
0: I found this out. Yes. I found out this is a very, very, very dirty word this week. So
1: if you use the word competition, okay, people think the word competition means. You're going to battle them head to head on Monday nights and it's going to be the Monday night wars over again and they're going to topple WWE and take their market share. That's not what competition means. Competition means a lot of different things. All Elite Wrestling is already competition for WWE. Do you know how I know that? Because they just signed five wrestlers that WWE was interested in signing. WWE made an offer to Hangman Page a month and a half ago, two months ago. Hangman Page signed with All Elite Wrestling. WWE talked to the Young Bucks and Cody a week ago or whatever it was. Those guys are signed to All Elite Wrestling. Okay. So it's like, you know, competition, when we say that they're competition for WWE, of course, we don't think that they're competing on the same level playing field yet. That's not what that means. You dopes. What it means is that they're competition in, in a million other ways for talent, primarily for whatever part of market share that they can manage to steal, which again, it's not going to be 50% or 80% of it, but you know, they're looking to take a small piece of that pie of the market share, They're competition already. MLW's competition, Ring of Honor's competition, Impact is competition—it doesn't mean that they're they're all varying degrees of competition. It doesn't mean that they're serious competition, right? Being but a player it,
0: in the marketplace is—it is, is means that
1: you're competition.
0: It, but people see the word competition, yeah, and think that and they're they, going on live on Monday night on TNT <laughs> and they're going to beat them in the ratings. Right. And, and like, no, that's not at all what we're saying. But
1: not what we're saying at all. So it, it, it's it's you know that that kind of drives you nuts, and I think while there i have i've seen more people downplaying the impact of all the wrestling than i've seen people going crazy with on, on the other side of it with how successful they're going to I don't see anyone saying oh they're going to go out there and crush WWE oh they're going to fucking no one's saying that what i'm seeing is Oh, they're just going to be another insignificant promotion. It's going to be Flow Slam all over again. It's going to be
0: <laughs> Global. I saw some guy drop the Global, Global Force, Force Wrestling. Force. Now there are there are some very distinct differences between this and Global Force Wrestling. I'll let you finish your point, but I'll uh, I'll put a pin in that right yeah. there. But yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's the point I was going to make. It's like it's like <laughs> those are the people who are way off the reservation here. Okay, the people who are severely downplaying, oh, who's going to go jump to, oh, they're going to get Ty Dillinger, big deal. You're really missing the big picture if, you, if, if, if you're not understanding, first of all, uh, the person who is behind this thing, okay? We still have people dropping in our mentions saying, well, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, they can't pay for wrestlers with their t-shirt
0: money. <laughs> they're right, Correct. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Yeah, YouTube, you do not make enough money on YouTube to uh, fund an entire uh, touring wrestling brand. Correct,
1: <laughs> correct, sir. Indeed. Thank you for thank you for Meltzer explaining me for that that key information. Thank you. You know they're just clueless. Uh, you know you, you know the Khan family. And look, here's the big thing: how much are they willing to invest in it? Now, I saw a number thrown around. The initial investment from the, from Tony Khan is going to be 100 million dollars. Now, what does that tell me? Number one, if that's true. Okay. If that's true, what does that tell me? Tony Khan's personal, uh, uh, his, 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 uh, he's worth, I believe, I read $3.5 million himself, independent of his family. Correct. So if there's a, is that correct? Is that a number you saw? I think that, well? yeah, i
0: saw that one as well. It's hard to get like exact numbers when you look at these net worths or whatever. So we're kind of in ranges, but I, I saw somewhere three to four, somewhere in that range, three to four uh, million was, was the range. So let's that, give him um. five. So
1: yeah. Tony Khan is worth $5 million for the sake of this argument. Okay, we know his father is worth multiple multiples of billions, seven billion
0: billion or something like that. So, yeah, a little bit more.
1: His father is one of the legitimately (laughs) one of the richest people on earth. I mean, that's not hyperbole, he is okay. So, that's the kind of money we're talking about. He can buy and sell Vince McMahon. Okay, now here's the difference Vince McMahon will go broke, okay, uh, defending his wrestling product. That is his business. The cons have money all over the place. So it's not completely analogous. But if Khan wanted to, he's a different kind of wealthy than Vince McMahon, who's a billionaire sometimes, depending how much the stock is worth. This guy has hundreds of billions of dollars. Doesn't he have hundreds of billions of dollars? Or am I going crazy? Uh, yeah,
0: I think the last I saw for his net worth was uh sorry, $6.3 was six point three billion was the updated. Bi- but, yeah, okay, so, so yeah, I am out of my
1: mind. Nobody has hundreds of billions. He's not a he's not an oil uh, <laughs> baron from from uh, Kuwait. But uh, but he's a very well he's got six point three billion dollars. So at minimum he's like five or six times more wealthy than Vince McMahon. Yeah, sixty
0: fifth. Mean, he was sixty fifth on the Forbes four hundred, so that's richest Americans.
1: It's just American in the way. Yeah,
0: because, 217th so, wealthiest person in the world. So, on the, uh, yeah. the
1: globe. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so listen, but, but my point here is let me circle back to Tony Khan. Tony Khan personally is worth $5 million. Now, if Tony, Khan, if Tony Khan had a bad night at the blackjack table, I'm sure his daddy would shuffle him a few more million. So, but, but my point here, he's worth $5 million. He's the one who's fronting this thing. So, if the 100 million number is correct, Rich. That answers a lot of questions as to whether it's the Khan family getting involved in this thing or just specifically Tony Khan. Tony Khan cannot afford to put $100 million into this. Okay. So if that number is true, that answers that question. And that was a legitimate question because it's one thing to have billionaires involved in this. It's another thing. Look, Panda Energy, the Carter family, they clearly weren't pumping uh, as much money into TNA at any point that they could have if they gave more of a shit about it than giving Dixie something to do. So there's always that factor. And those were legitimate concerns from people or legitimate questions. How much are the cons really in? If it's a hundred million, it's not just Tony Khan, right. but Tony Khan, here's the other thing. We're talking about a person who understands wrestling because he's been a newsletter reader since he was a teenager. Um he, he he he's a huge wrestling fan. He was a message board poster. That's how much of a wrestling fan he was a message board poster on very niche wrestling boards by the way. Right. Ones that you've heard of.
0: So he's basically uh, just you and I with you know a few extra zeros on his, his savings account. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a, you, a lot you of extra zeros. billionaire.
1: <laughs> right. Correct. And so so he he's someone who you would think would understand the perils Of what has come before him and what not to do. And he's got smart people like the Bucks and Cody. Who make calculated decisions? Who obviously are going to be very close to him in this process, making decisions too. Right, but- which I think is an
0: important point that a lot of people are forgetting too. That these guys, you know, on their own, essentially, you know, were able to do all in and able to do a lot of stuff and leverage YouTube and leverage TV, you know, t-shirt sales and got a yeah. spot on WG America. I mean, this is like it's not like you're starting a ragtag promotion with with nobody. I mean, these are guys that are among the biggest independent stars in wrestling today. I mean, they probably are the biggest independent wrestling stars. I mean, I don't even think you need to add that caveat. So that's they're starting ahead of a lot of these other startup promotions that we're talking about here and there.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just not analogous, especially if the, the money is real that they're willing to pump into it. And by all accounts, it is looking at it this way. Tony Khan could have started up a wrestling promotion anytime he wanted to. Why did he wait till now? You know, it's, it's, it's the right time with the right people. So I am not predicting success. And I have yet to predict success. Um, All the people coming at me on
0: Twitter, coming at you on Twitter – when have we predicted success? For no, weekend? no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I have no idea what the next step is going to be for all elite, but I think they're starting a lot way far ahead of global force and flow slam and, and, and even TNA when it started, I mean, people were bringing up TNA, TNA went like nearly bankrupt weeks into their existence. Global force was nothing, you know, weeks and months into their existence. Flow slam was a disaster months in. I mean, these are the, these are horrible examples if you're using this. None of these companies were founded by millionaires slash billionaires with connections to wrestling. And it's. Just isn't like a bunch of ex-wrestlers getting their money together if it was just if if there was no Tony Khan and no Shad Khan I would absolutely 100% be with you being like I don't know man this is gonna be a tough go of it like I don't know if YouTube ads are gonna be enough and all this sort of stuff but we're talking about real backing we're talking about smart backing too this isn't just hey Tony give us a check all right thanks and then it's the checks going to a bunch of you know, idiots that don't know what they're doing. I think these guys know what they're doing in terms of Cody, uh, the Bucks, and I think Tony knows what he's doing. And what? And and the big thing for me too is that we're not not seeing Shad's name in there. Shad is the big thing, as you mentioned. He is the biggest part of this. He was listed amongst the trademarks that he was. He was also getting the trademarks. He's listed as a co-owner. I mean, that's a big deal. If he didn't want to be involved in this, which he has all rights not to be involved in this whatsoever, right. he can say, Tony, you want your own little fucking vanity project? Knock yourself out. The Dixie Carter thing. Hey, Dixie, you want yeah. to? Okay. Go over there, Dixie. <laughs> go, you know, stop bothering right. us. You know, the, the Bob Carter saying, I got all this. Oil. You know, go over there. Have fun with this little toy. You know, go enjoy it. But he, we're, we're not seeing that. We're seeing Shad Khan at, named a lot of these times. Not that he's going to be a day-to-day operations guy, but you said right there, that hundred thousand, $100 million figure, whether that's to be believed or not, I think it's to be believed or not, is that his name is being referenced a lot in this. So that, that gives me a little bit more confidence because even if Tony blew through, as you said, all $10 million or all whatever million he's worth in, in a minute, He's got the backing of you know a, a, a multi you know six time billionaire father behind him who who you know <laughs> I think would yeah. would probably front a little bit so but but even that like I, I'm confident that that's not what's going to happen because I think there's enough smart people in the room more so than the Jarrett's deciding that we're going to do weekly pay-per-views or flow slam deciding hey we're going to sign everybody in the world and then realizing oh wait we can't sign anybody in the world okay now what do we have left with this site and, and it's absolutely nothing or you know global force wrestling which was again the Jarrett's pulling their money together and just kind of figuring out something from there so I think there's a lot you know Yeah, you can bring up other wrestling startups, but I think that's – it's a bad analogy because this one is different than the rest of those.
1: It is different. And we're seeing
0: the reactions are different too. Nobody reacted when Global Force. What did WWE do when Global Force was founded? Nothing because they knew it was a joke. You know TNA, they maybe a little bit, but even then, it wasn't really until TNA started going on, on on Spike and even going on Monday, that you saw WWE give any sort of care to TNA. They didn't give a shit about it because they knew it was going to fail from day one, and we knew that. You know, they knew Flow Slam was going to fail, and they knew all that, and they were a, a, a part of Flow Slam in terms of you know funding it or whatnot. So there's there's. It's just different. This is a lot different. So just to use a lazy, ah, bah, DNA again. Ah, that, that's just, you, you, you're missing the boat. You're missing the bigger picture with
1: that. You just don't have, you, you may just be ignorant to the information, or it's just, I think it's so ingrained in people that WWE is just, because we have an entire, we have adults who don't yeah. remember competition. We have adults who don't remember that, who are fans. So it's just ingrained into a lot of people that, It's just they're so far ahead of the game and no one will ever seriously compete with them. And I don't know that this entity will, but I think that this entity has a chance to at least gain legitimate market share. WWE might be so far ahead at this point that it it may take decades for someone to legitimately compete. With that said, we know how quickly things change in wrestling and how things can turn. It really only takes one television executive. To change the course of wrestling history. We've learned that if you've looked at history, that's all it takes. It takes one executive making one decision to put someone on the air and pump a half a billion dollars into them or take someone off the air in the case of WCW and end them instantly. I mean, we've seen it. So while I say it may take years and years and years for someone to compete, it really just takes the stroke of a pen to change the course of history in pro wrestling. And we've seen that over and over and over. Um, So listen, I I am, this one is different um, just because of, of, of uh, various factors that we've already discussed. We're seeing the ripple effects already. If you don't think they're thinking about this at WWE, you're out of your mind. You can laugh that off if you want, but they're well aware of (laughs) the people involved, the talent involved. And, the thing about All Elite is they will have the means to compete for any piece of talent in the world. That, But the question is, will they be willing to? Now, if they're willing to, they will be able to outbid potentially WWE for any piece of talent that comes up. And that is great news for the wrestlers. And there really hasn't been a promotion in a long time that's been – I mean, they'll, they'll – you know, there's been wrestlers who have chosen other promotions over WWE. It's it's rarely because they got more money unless WWE didn't value the talent. Talent that chooses to work elsewhere than WWE is usually a lifestyle thing. You know, um, or a change of scenery thing like with Juice Robinson. He needed a change of scenery to reinvigorate his career. Someone like Davy Richards decided he liked the lifestyle of Impact Wrestling better.
0: Right. You can do go down the list. Yeah. Go do his you day job. You can go
1: down so. the list of oh yeah for yeah because he wanted to do other things with life. But you can go right down the list. It's very rarely been someone simply got more money. That hasn't been the case for a long time. That changes today too. Now we're going to see scenarios where people wrestlers are going to make decisions based on the size of the offer they're getting. Um, you know, and again, look, just look at the the Bucks and Cody. They they put a number on the table with WWE that they didn't get, or WWE put a number on the table. Whichever version of the story you want to believe, it doesn't matter for my larger point. My point is they clearly got a deal they preferred from Khan. So right there, we're seeing the effects of it right off the bat. Right, you're seeing it before your eyes. We just saw WWE lose out on three huge pieces, more than that, five huge pieces of talent. Is it five? Those three, uh, Hangman, that's it for, oh, and Brandy, I guess, and well, she's going to go wherever Cody goes, and um, I think uh, Matt's wife has some kind of um, front office role. I think so too.
0: Yeah, and as I mentioned before, as we were recording this, Britt Baker uh, officially signed up with them as well. So there
1: you go. So, um, you know, and that's someone whose husband works for WWE.
0: Are they married? I don't know if they're married. Definitely a long time relationship between Adam Cole and, and, and it's, uh, and and it's Rip I don't think I don't know if they're married yeah. or not. I, I don't want to say for sure. So
1: yeah, I don't know if they're married either. But it's a public relationship that they advertise, so it's not like we're, um, you know, exposing their, uh, their private lives here. But but yeah, I they're a real player with real skin in the game. And um, when we say they should be taken seriously, or when we say that they're competition, we're not saying that they're going to overtake WWE in six months. That's basically what I'm trying to get at here. So, uh, yeah. And, I don't and know, last Rachel, point, yeah, this? no, last
0: point, last point I'll make on it. Uh, and we've touched on this again for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, but like any wrestling fan in the world, even if you don't like these guys, if you think they're turds, and I get it, I get it, I get how you would think these guys are turds. Even if you think that, you should be excited and ecstatic for this because it is good for wrestlers and it's great for wrestling fans. It's probably bad for wrestling promoters, but that's probably good too. We heard we heard legit from a wrestling promoter who said that who said it this kind of this is gonna be real tough for us, but we need that. It's a good kick in the ass of the entire industry. The entire industry has been complacent. As you said, there's been 18 years since there's been true quote unquote competition in terms of getting big money deals and in terms of having alternatives and stuff. And people are saying that's the better word to use. If you want me to use alternative or competition, I don't give a shit. But th- it's competition because we're already seeing the stakes getting raised. We're seeing a Walter get an incredible deal that he would never have gotten two years ago. He wouldn't have gotten that deal a year ago. He wouldn't have got that deal eight months ago. We're seeing a guy like a Bandito, and, 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 for God's sake. People falling on. over Before the social side Bandito. We're <laughs> talking about Bandito. You know how
1: we know Walter wouldn't have gotten that deal six months ago? Because he didn't. Because, he didn't. because they tried to sign him, and, right. and 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 they didn't, and they weren't able to sign him because he didn't want uh, That's uh, that kind of con- this That's is competition.
0: competition. Yeah, this is competition. a wrestler Bandido. getting
1: what. Yes, <laughs> Bandito is the next example, but Walter was a per, is a perfect example yeah. of a guy who got exactly what he wanted out of WWE instead of the other way around because of all of this but go ahead with bandito too
0: right having the leverage of all elite allows Walter to say "Mm, you know what no I don't need to go to the I don't need to go to winter park Florida I want to live in Germany okay sir oh yeah yeah. okay (laughs) like you know that's and that's it that's competition yeah people falling over themselves to sign bandito and Brody King and these sort of guys who who are nowhere near finished pieces those guys they are nowhere near and the offer I mean the people talking about the money that bandito got is nuts like we don't know the exact dollar figure but people are saying that ROH blew WWE's offer out of the water and that would not have had bandito (laughs) of all Fucking people yeah. would not have been uh, two years ago, fuck a year ago, eight months ago would not have been signed to that sort of blowaway deal. Ring of Honor wouldn't have given a blowaway deal to anybody, let alone a bandito. If, if not for this, we're seeing it already. A Brody King, we're seeing it already. It, it, it's so glaringly obvious that that this is what competition is. Competition when we say that does not mean TNT seven PM on Monday nights going head to head and beating them in the ratings. That's not that, but but raising the bar for everybody. And you should want that as a wrestling fan. I want that as a wrestling fan. I enjoy the idea that, hey, there's another player in the industry. I enjoy the idea that, hey, they're, you know, every one of every wrestler that you know, any, anybody, anybody is going to make more money from this. Every, the ripple effects, again, as we said, we mentioned it many, many months ago. Uh, uh, Heath Slater now has more leverage than he did six months ago, even though it might not mean anything. A Mojo Raleigh has more leverage than ever. It might not mean anything. And it's Mojo Raleigh, and who cares? But still, there's that little cat. Care- it's that extra. Player in the industry, that extra competition. We saw the MLW kind of step the game up a little bit and and and, and changed it a bit. They they outbid for you know Pentagon and, and Phoenix, and that's good. I mean, yeah, it's gonna maybe be bad in some cases because there's a lot of fragmentation and all this sort of stuff. But it's gonna raise the bar for everybody. Competition does that, and that's I, I'm I'm excited about it coming back in wrestling because it has been 18 years since we've seen true legit competition in north america and, and 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 i'm excited to see what the next step is but yeah it's not uh none of us are predicting doom and gloom and that you should sell your stocks and and wwe's gonna die tomorrow but th- the idea that these guys aren't players in the industry and that this isn't a big deal is just ludicrous it's just absolutely super ludicrous
1: roh outbid wwe for bandito <laughs> right. okay now and then you have people coming back well if wwe really wanted bandito, <laughs> they <did. laughs> right no, no, they did. They, they want everybody. <laughs> they want fucking they, everybody. They, they lowballed him. He said, Well, ROH offered me this. They made him a second offer, and the guy was shrugged his shoulders and signed with ROH. That's the definition of outbid. Right. One person offered more than the other. You can't it, it, you have these people who are just so brainwashed by this idea. We have people telling us these are real things tweeted at us. Well, WWE has literally unlimited resources. No, they do not have literally unlimited resources. Why, why are you saying that? That's not true. They do not have literally unlimited – and technically, All Elite has more resources. Right. I was
0: going to say, they literally have more resources.
1: <laughs> they don't like, – people have this idea because, because they're just we just – haven't seen this in so long because well, the WWE...
0: Fuck, WWE has beaten the fuck out of every other wrestling promotion and rightfully so because most other wrestling promotions are ragtag a bunch of dudes put their money together one money mark puts their money together and and books a bunch of shit and they have stupid people running I mean that's that's pro wrestling 101 and that's why they've been able to beat up and destroy everybody they were able to do it in the 80s because they were smarter and more you know and and and, and better at, than anybody at that business of wrestling and understanding how to kind of take people down and they've been able to do that time and time and time again and that people have sort of decided that well every wrestling company sucks and is is run by idiots well no not everyone is sucks and runs by idiots this one is not run by idiots it might suck i have no idea but as far as we know right now it's not run by idiots and it's not run by morons and it has a way more backing than any promotion has had since wcw really i mean there, there's nothing there's not even close i mean putting it in the category of a flow slam or a tna or a global force is insulting that's just stupid
1: wwe has a budget do people <laughs> not understand this They have a budget. They don't have unlimited resources. Literally. It's actually
0: literally, literally unlimited resources.
1: Yeah. They have a budget. And then this other thing that people come back with,
0: you can't
1: compete with a publicly traded company. That's more reason for them to have a budget. They have investors to answer to. That's more that is more reason why they can't just be fucking absurdly, ridiculously careless with their money. You're you're making you're supporting the cons with those arguments, not the McMahon's. It's just mind-blowing how people don't understand because they're just brainwashed by this concept. They were outbid for Bandito. Just accept it. It's like they, they can't understand that that could possibly occur. They made him two offers, and neither one was good enough. That's the literal definition of outbid. Accept it, if they really wanted him. If they they did really want him, they made him two offers. They weren't good enough. Richard just drives me insane.
0: <sighs> yes, that's and it. this so is that. a good thing.
1: That, <laughs> yes, that's great. It's a great thing, and and it's like it, 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 it's 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 you know it's like they can get away. With some of these lowball offers, sometimes because they're gonna, the bottom line is if they want the banditos and and people like that, they're gonna have to increase their budget, move their money around, change the way that they do business and offer deals to people, or they're gonna keep missing out on people like bandito who maybe don't give a shit and 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 and, and don't mark out over potentially working at WrestleMania or working on Monday Night Raw. That is a draw for some talent. I get it. Maybe if you're Liv Morgan. Your dream for all your life was to work in WWE and have your WrestleMania moment. And I'm not knocking Liv Morgan, okay? That's fine. But a lot of wrestlers are business people, and they just want to make the most money possible. And a lot of times, most of the time, that's WWE uh, where you can do so. But now, because of what's happening and and, and, the, and, and the, the change in the landscape, other places can pay these people uh, more money than WWE can. And and listen, WWE will probably win most of these bidding wars. They will, but they're not going to win all of them. And and, and they've just lost about half a dozen of them in the last two weeks. And if you're a WWE fan, that's great news. That's only going to push them. Don't you understand? All of that talent that you complain that they waste, uh, they're going to be in fear that they can lose those people. T.J. Perkins is tweeting, trying to get fired.
0: (laughs) He really is.
1: And you're going to see more of that because you're going to – you're really going to see how frustrated a lot of the talent is in that company. You always hear the whispers. They don't shout it out on Twitter. Like, Why do you think T.J.P. has the balls to go on Twitter right now? and basically try to get fired. He
0: wouldn't do that eight months ago. He wouldn't do that a year ago. He
1: wouldn't have did it two days ago. Right. Okay. But but now the landscape is different. He can get fired and he could have four other companies bidding for his services because TJP called up Bandito and said, they paid you what? And he said, well, fuck this. I'm working two times a month. I never get house show money. I'm never on the pay-per-views. I want out. Who was the that? The,
0: oh, Metalik was like, "Hey, what should I do next year? <laughs> like, hey, yeah. where, like, where should I go?" Metalik
1: put a poll
0: up. <laughs> where know, do you want to work next year? <laughs> right.
1: they, it, this is this is a great thing. Right. You now all this of this is competition. Talent, by the
0: way, by the way, you know this, this is this, what this, all this happening is competition. But okay,
1: go on. All of this talent that was unhappy that had to keep their mouths shut because they wanted to keep putting food on the table don't have to anymore. And there's others. Believe me, TJP's the kind of guy. He's got the kind of personality where he's going to be. You know. He's going to be br- uh, brash when it comes to this stuff. He doesn't give a fuck. That's his person. But there's plenty of talent there who's just stewing under the surface, watching the, the, watching the clock, and waiting for their contracts to run out. And that's just – and you're fooling yourself if you don't think that's the case. And the lucky ones are the ones whose contracts run out in like the next six months because, you know, the uncertainty. I, you know, the ones who just signed a three-year extension – And aren't getting anywhere, they're the ones that are like, oh, fuck, I hope this thing works out for another three years. But if you're any piece of talent where your contract's up, even if you want to stay in WWE, this is the greatest fucking thing to ever happen to you. And if you're a WWE fan, this is only going to push them. They sucked last year. Don't you want them to be better? If they, if, they, if they feel like they have to finally put effort into pushing new faces and pushing people and putting on a better show and drawing ratings and doing all of those things because they're not complacent anymore, if you're a big WWE fan, that's all good for you. So these are ripple effects that, again, they extend across the fucking Pacific to New Japan. Because now all their talent's in play, too. And don't think Kushida and the rest of those guys don't understand that either. They do. That's why you're hearing these Kushida rumors. That's why you hear rumors that WWE has their eye on New Japan talent. New Japan has their eye on WWE talent. And their talent's not dumb. They're going to play all these people against each other. Why do you think Kenny Omega has stayed out of this? He's playing everyone against each other. Why do you think he's leaking to Dave Meltzer that he's thinking about that WWE offer? Because he wants New Japan to go higher. (laughs) Kenny Omega doesn't want to go to WWE right now. Why would he? Why would he cash those chips right now when you have this all elite money on the table and you're the fucking champion in New Japan and you can main event again for another three years? You th- why would he go to WWE now?
0: But leverage because, is good. But leverage is it, good. because
1: so. <laughs> the Right. So you play that leverage and you play all three of them against each other. Kenny Omega is pulling all the strings. Okay. Because wherever Kenny Omega lands is who New Japan is going to do business with. If Kenny Omega goes to All Elite, you think New Japan is gonna snub their nose at all elite and keep working with Ring of Honor so they can get Beer City Bruiser coming in every third tour? (laughs) Kenny Omega Shane
0: Taylor Taylor signed Ring of Honor, so you know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Big big move.
1: I mean, so geez, you know, uh, use your brains. Think analytically here. Why do you think Kenny Omega's staying out of everything? He's jacking his price up. You know? And and, and 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 you know he wants he wants to stay on this new. All of those elite guys want to stay in New Japan. They all want to sign all elite contracts and and stay and somehow stay in New Japan because that's how they're going to maximize uh, the amount of money they're going to make. But listen, if I'm Kenny Omega and uh, I get a fax, he's not going to get a fax because it's not 1997.
0: But if I get an email, I'm doing business via fax. That's it. <laughs>
1: and it comes it comes through slowly too like the scene in Jerry Maguire. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. dot matrix paper coming out of there.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh but, but you know he's going to get if he gets an email that says they're going to pay him 5 million dollars a year, yeah, I'm sure he'd make the move. You know, but but you know this is all they're all it's leverage right now and that's what wrestlers have and it's only going to improve your experience as a fan. So <laughs> Um, I don't know. I got I, I didn't even think we were gonna talk about this and now I'm all fired yeah, up about, yeah, it I'm happened. standing, I'm out of my <laughs> chair and I'm standing because I've got three days of bottled up Let me tell you something. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is to have tweets blow up. Okay. I randomly was tweeting out the information the other night as it was becoming available. I was listening to Observer Radio and all that after the Being the Elite announcement. I was just tweeting out the information for our followers. Hey, here's what Dave had to say. He had a lot of information on this. What happened was, Rich, there weren't a lot of other people awake. There weren't a lot of other people tweeting information about all elite. So our tweets were getting retweeted everywhere. And for f- Rich, please describe our fucking notifications oh, the over the past. Oh, fucking dumpster four years.
0: fire. Fire. There's some good stuff. There's some good, but there's also a lot of fire, too.
1: There are so many dumb people on this planet that it's incomprehensible. I, I already knew that 90% of the people on the planet were complete fucking idiots, but you really don't get the full <laughs> scope of it. Buy our ebook,
0: it, by the way. VoiceResident.com slash NJPWH. That's right.
1: You don't really get the full scope of how stupid people are until you have a tweet blow up. And, and and then they continue to have these conversations with each other while we're still tagged in three days after we've stopped responding to them or or not responded to them at all. My, yeah, keep,
0: that's my favorite thing is the people arguing with each other. And I was like, oh, my God. Every time my phone both, buzzes, I'm like, stop. And,
1: and not only that, people arguing with each other and all three of them are complete idiots. Like <laughs> no one's making a good point. Like, please <laughs> – take that somewhere like in real life you don't have to deal with that like if you if if you're at, if you're in the mall okay and you're sitting in the food court and there's three mouth breathing total fucking morons having the worst conversation on earth one table over from you when you're just trying to eat your panda express okay you can get up and pick up your fucking chicken chow mein and go sit across the food court and you don't have to listen to those three fucking morons you know, eating their sabaro. Uh, you know, having I, knew I knew you were going to drop sabaro
0: in there. I knew. I was trying to
1: wonder if there was any better one. I knew it was going to be sabaro. <laughs> okay, you can get up and move. Unfortunately, on Twitter, it's like you're in the dumbest food court in America, and you're completely surrounded, and you're chained to the fucking table, and you can't move. Okay, that's what our Twitter mentions are like. So it, 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 there's no fucking escape. I'm trying to sell a book here, and I can't see what people are saying about it. Because I've got 19 people uh, in the fucking mentions every 30 seconds telling me that Cody can't afford to pay John Cena if he becomes a free agent. This is what I'm dealing with.
0: (laughs) It's been a long few days, folks. (laughs) There we go. But that is all elite wrestling. Oh, man. So we got to get, of course, to our big promised Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview. But before we do that, we do want to let you know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Grapple. Grapple is back, in case you haven't heard about grapple in case you haven't heard us talk about it as well Uh, grapple is a wrestling ratings app it's available for free on the app store and google play you can rate matches across a range of promotions and see what the average score is from all grapple users you can also follow grapple users like myself and joe uh joe i know you use a lot during world tag league i know you're going to use a lot during the next few months here but a little bit of your experiences uh using grapple and, and, and put some ratings on there as well
1: as you know i am a certified accurate star rater correct and uh, you can follow me on the Grapple app. Not only do you get a disgustingly handsome screenshot of my fate, <laughs> but you 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 also get all of my accurate star
0: ratings in one neat and tidy page. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, one of the great things about this, and big reason why Grapple wanted to sponsor this week's show, uh, is Grapple will be adding matches live during Wrestle Kingdom. So if you got Grapple up while you're watching Wrestle Kingdom this Friday, they will be adding matches live. So immediately after match is done, you'll be able to go onto the app, Put your rating in and you'll see what others are giving it in the moment as well. I know, Joe, you'll be on Grapple putting your ratings up there. I will do it as well. So it's a great opportunity to see an accurate star rater and my ratings as well. Uh, live as, as they happen before anybody else. You get them on the Grapple app uh, during Wrestle Kingdom, so that's pretty awesome. I cannot wait to do that uh, to jump on there. A little bit of uh, you know data from last year's Wrestle Kingdom, just kind of give you an idea of what the Grapple folks thought of that. Uh, Omega and Jericho, last year's Wrestle Kingdom was the highest rated match uh, at 4 point f- uh, 4.51, uh, followed closely by Okada and Naito. That was 4.38, uh, and Suzuki and Goto was at 4.23, so that's just a little bit of what you got last year. We're going we're to talk about and, obviously of course, preview Wrestle Kingdom 13 coming up in a bit, but I think a lot more those ratings are going to be much higher this year because i think this show looks incredible but anyway um Of course, thank you uh, to the Voice Wrestling listeners always for uh, downloading Grapple. They've gotten a bunch of great support from Voice Wrestling listeners. They know when we do one of these ads and we talk about it and they get a bunch of downloads, they know that it's because of you guys. So it's really cool that you're on there. Uh, So definitely want to make sure that you uh, download Grapple. Uh, All you have to do is search G-R-A-P-P-L on the App Store and Google Play. You can download it again for free. Also, you can follow them on Twitter at Grapple App. That's G-R-A-P-P-L-A-P-P on Twitter. Anything you notice about the site, I know they're great about that. If you notice something that's a little weird, if you have a request about something, hey, why don't you add this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They they're very open to any sort of suggestions that you have. So definitely get get them uh, get at them on Twitter. And I know in 2019 they're adding a bunch of different promotions and a bunch of different shows, past and present as well. And I think that's a cool thing about it too is you can go historically and uh, do some ratings as well. So uh, anyway, again, live during Wrestle Kingdom, we'll be updating uh, matches, so you don't have to wait a day or two to to, to put your ratings. You can just refresh the minute. You know, Cody and Juice is done. You can slap that rating on there. The minute Osprey and Ibushi is done, you can slap that rating on there uh, and find out what people are doing. Doing, but uh, definitely want to download that, G-R-A-P-P-L, for free on the App Store and Google Play. And we, of course, thank Grapple for sponsoring us once again. All right. It's finally here, Joe. Wrestle Kingdom 13. We did a uh, mild, mild short preview a few weeks ago, promising that this is going to be the Big Daddy. And the rest of the show now will be our Wrestle Kingdom preview. Uh Overall thoughts. I mean, this show <laughs> looks fucking... I, I, I. It wasn't until today that I really kind of read it and and just got like oh dude there's there's eight title matches (laughs) on the show joe there's so much good stuff on this tomohiro Ishii and zach saber jr i think this is the match where as i was reading it and going through and prepping for the show i was like joe that is the fourth match (laughs) the third match if you don't count the pre-show that's a main event in like 90 percent of promotions across the world and that is the third match from the bottom tomohiro Ishii and zach jr this card's incredible what what are your thoughts overall on wrestle kingdom
1: uh yeah i mean if you're looking at it from um a potential match quality perspective. Um, I, I feel like I say this every year, but I, I I feel like this is the best card they've put together for Wrestle Kingdom on paper yet. And when you push the gauntlets off of the main show and you push the Rambo off altogether, and you just have nine matches that um, you know, and and at least I don't know seven or eight of them have a very high floor. And all of them, I think, have a relatively high ceiling at minimum. Um, Yeah, this is just an incredible card that has the potential to be an all-timer. Now, the recent Wrestle Kingdoms, for the most part, have all been all-timers, largely carried by, the. we talk about it every year, these Wrestle Kingdoms, they're chugging along, they're okay for the first three or four matches. Um, The people who or hate watching or or destroying the show and ripping it apart and saying how awful it is. And then like clockwork every year, the final four match stretch is like the greatest fucking thing you've ever seen. And you have that potential again this year. But the difference with this card is the first half has a chance to have two or three matches. Now, look, they're not all going to land. That's unrealistic. And we talked about it briefly a few weeks ago. The ones that don't get as much time, or the ones where, look, a couple of these matches are going to be, you know, um, duds. Not duds in the sense that they're less than one star, but they're just not going to, you know, they're not going to top out where where they where they could. Um, but you know, the difference here compared to other years is the first half, when you have Kota Ibushi Willow Spray as the opener, and the match that you just mentioned, Tomohiro Ishii and on Third. I mean, you've got potential for super high level stuff from the first match to the last match. So I think that's the difference where this is just another level of quality and you don't have the, dopey gauntlet breaking it up and you don't have a ring of honor title match with Jay lethal you know thrown into the mix nwa
0: title match either i mean think about this like and that's you know i enjoyed those matches i enjoyed a little you know rob or whatever they're fine but like we replaced that with tomohiro fucking ishii and zack saber jr you know what i mean like that's that spot that's the big daddy yum yum and kojima that's the rob conway and like we've replaced that with tomohiro and zack saber jr yeah, it, Shingo. it, Shingo's in the junior times. Like, I was like reading it. I'm like, yeah, fucking Shingo's there, right? Of course. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even like that match, but Shingo's in it. It's like, what the hell? It's just, yeah, but yeah. Well, it, yeah,
1: that's something, too. There's, there's super, there's literally superstars from the opener to the main event, right? Kota Ibushi is one of the biggest worldwide stars. He's a legitimate wrestler of the year contender, and he's working the opener with Will Ospreay, another guy who is a legitimate wrestler of the year contender, depending on what version of the award you're talking about. I have to make these disclaimers rich. Cause people get mad and yell at me and say, he can't be MVP. Okay. I'm just throwing, you know what I mean? I'm just throwing it out there. He's a, he's a wrestler of the year contender in the bell to bell sense. And, and a huge star in his own right. And then you have a legitimate top star in the world. And they're in the opener. And like you said, you've got Shingo, who was the, you know, one of the top guys in Dragon Gate for a decade. And he's working in the second match on the show in a dopey three-way tag. I mean, there's just – and then Zack Sieber Jr. in the third match. And the Young Bucks in a prelim. They're among the biggest – there's star power on this thing. There's enormous star power up and down the card with matches that uh, it's like we're spoiled rich. We're spoiled with when we get on paper shows like this. So, and then when you turn around and you look, and this is a good transition, I guess, when you turn around and look at the fact that new Japan has announced that, and they announced this a couple of days ago, uh, two or three days out from the show, they had already surpassed the ticket sales from last year's show, which of course did tremendous uh, business. So, um, you know, the show is expected to sell out all of the tickets that they made available. Uh, at minimum, it has already beaten last year with two or three days to go. Or I guess there was longer than that, right? Because we have about a, still a day and a half to go now. So that may have been three or with three or four days ago. All right. We're
0: recording this on the second. Go. So you still have, you know, obviously all day tomorrow and then the fourth, of course, the walk-up uh coming as and well. And the walk so, yeah.
1: up, right. And they and they announced that, I guess, on like the 31st or something that it had already surpassed um last year's ticket total. So there is the possibility, a strong possibility that they can sell out every seat and then potentially open up those upper deck outfield seats, um, to, to walk up business. So, uh, the show is going to do, it's going to be the, um, uh biggest attendance in the Bushy Road era. They bought the company in 2012. They technically did not promote the 2012 show. That was still uh, I believe Bushy Road bought the company um the the, the January 20 something 2012. So I'm sure the deal, the wheels were in motion. But their first Wrestle Kingdom was the 2013 Wrestle Kingdom under Bushy Road. So if we're just saying the Bushy Road era, uh this will be uh this will this this Wrestle Kingdom will have sold more tickets than any Wrestle Kingdom in the Bushi Road era. Uh, we'll see what uh, kind of walk up they do, and I think the reason is when you look at this show, there are mega stars from top to bottom. This is a loaded show. I don't think there's any one match that is the quote unquote uh, predominant drawing match. Obviously, the main event is uh, is going to get the most credit and, and deserves the most credit. That's just how pro wrestling history works. And I do think Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi is a strong main event uh, just based on Kenny Omega's drawing history since he's won the title, which has been very much downplayed in, in, in a lot of places. And unfairly, no matter what you think of the quality of his title run, you cannot question um, the fact that he has drawn every step of the way. And I, I don't understand why people thought that that trend would not continue with this show. Um, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is enormously popular. Has been booked to perfection this year. I wrote his profile in the book, Rich, and I got to tell you, (laughs) they built to this nicely. The guy has dropped like three matches all year. Um, They've, they've, they've. You know, you look at the G1; he lost one match. He only lost one match in the G1, and that was the Jay White, which you know he then redeemed by winning. uh, You know, the Briefcase Challenge, and he had the draw against Okada, and um, he's been booked very well, and he's super popular, so it's a strong main event. Um, no matter what you personally think of the build, it clearly, you know, clearly fans responded to the main event, and fans have responded positively to the card because uh, money talks and everything else walks. Absolutely, and, um, this is this is very clearly an interesting show to the ticket buying public. Now, does taking place on a Friday matter? Yes, history tells us that Wrestle Kingdom shows that occur on a Friday or a Saturday do better than shows that happen midweek, but. It would be very silly to attribute this simply to it happening on Friday. Um, Did it bump it up X amount of percentage? Yeah, probably. But this was a show that was going to do well at the box office either way because right, it's right. loaded with stars.
0: I think that always does help sort of the perception and it helps like if it, you know for some people. But if if it's a knockout drag out, oh my god, I have to go see the show. You'll go on a Tuesday, you know what I mean? That's like right. if it's something that you're gonna have, to, you're gonna want to go to. And obviously they built something that is that. There's no way I get like if there's a huge walk up that makes a little bit more sense for for it being on a Friday or whatnot. But yeah, yeah, historically they do a little bit better. But I'm not gonna be here. I, I'm not gonna sit down here and go, okay, well the only reason it's strong is because it's on a Friday. No, it's because it's. It's been a well-built card in a lot of ways. And and the Omega Tanahashi thing is not... It's a story that I really haven't been all that invested in. But when you see the totality of the story and you see what they're kind of doing now and and you sort of look at a lot of what Kenny has been doing throughout this, what you know Tanahashi has been doing throughout this, and you're seeing it a little bit now, Tanahashi is representing New Japan full and full. Yeah. He is the Japanese guy defending against the guy that thinks that he's bigger and better than this company Hiroshi Tanahashi is dropping Kensuke Sasaki references and promos and and, and talking about you know the history of New Japan or whatnot and it's obviously working there's fans that are now maybe have not been watching New Japan in a while going you know what yeah I want to watch my guy my guy representing New Japan I used to watch New Japan and now you know I I, you know I I fell off a little bit but here's a guy that represents me and he's going for the title he's going to try to take it away from Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega thinks we're lazy and doesn't like Japanese people whatever it is like I know that people get all freaked out about these promos but it's it's fucking pro wrestling, and if you look at the totality of the story, whether they wanted that to be the direction or not, it kind of got there. You know, Tanahashi's the traditionalist, and Omega's the you know whatever you want to call him, whatever this new sort of yeah. thing is. But it's obviously working because people are buying tickets to go see it, and it's a big, huge attraction. So you know, when I've started to watch a little bit of the promos and and, and see the build here, and yeah, it hasn't been a, an ideal build, but I'm, I've been getting into it the last few weeks because once I got my head around the idea that I'm like, oh, it makes sense. It's the Western guy who says a, a lot of bad shit about New Japan and 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 Japanese wrestling fans and Japanese wrestlers against the guy who, you know, saved this company and, and represents the history of New Japan and represents us. Japanese people so I, I again that's awesome like that's actually a really good build and, and and maybe make some of the you know people getting really upset at Kenny Omega saying stuff uh, you know make them look kind of silly because it is pro wrestling at the end of the day whether Kenny Omega believes that Japanese wrestlers are lazy I, I don't know I don't know if he does I highly doubt he does because he's a guy who's been you know tolling away in Japan and, and, and doing tons of stuff there but whatever like regardless the build is working there's obviously a contingent of, of, of Japanese fans and and probably Western fans too that are sort of picking their alliances and saying oh I'm a Kenny omega guy or i'm a whole roshi tanahashi guy and guess what happens you buy you sell a lot of tickets when you do that <laughs> you know what i mean when you when yeah. you create something that's got some realism to it and you create something that people can sink their teeth into because i believe there are probably japanese fans there that go you know fuck this kenny omega guy and fuck him saying that japanese fans are this and japanese wrestlers are this or whatever tanahashi's my guy and tanahashi says hey i'm here for you guys i wrestle for you guys i i'm a traditionalist i do this you know this is my sort of pro wrestling you know kensuke sasaki would kick your ass kenny omega like that sort of stuff rocks like i'm fine with that that's great storytelling because it's working and i know it's great storytelling because it's selling tickets and it's doing you know, really well. But in terms of just not even you know, the business side of it, I'm enjoying that build a little bit too. So I, yeah. once I've kind of wrapped my head around it, I'm now more into that match than I was even two or three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think Tanahashi has done a good job. Now, I, I don't think that this is some kind of red hot build. I've seen hotter builds than this. Oh, sure. Um, you know, there were um, one of the Tanahashi Okada matches in particular and don't ask me to pinpoint which one because you know I'm terrible at which show was which and whatnot was just super hot. Um, you know, I think that was the hottest build, and and I, and you know what's funny about that one is I think that's the one that didn't draw super great.
0: I think Wrestle so, Kingdom ten, if I remember correctly, was was the one that you're talking about because that one got only twenty five thousand. So sometimes uh, so you that know was like be, the worst. Yeah, it was like the worst drawing one yet. So so or the, the worst drawing what, one in a while. Yeah.
1: And the point I'm trying to make here is it's like sometimes we think we have our finger on the pulse with these builds, and sometimes we're right, and sometimes we are off from what is really resonating with the ticket buying public. Now, when you look at Omega for all of the negative things people say and i wrote a very long profile in the book and and which i, I think is worth a read it's going to anger some people it's going to change some people's minds it's going to make people hate me even more but i i do think the profile is compelling and one point i touch on is you look at omega's title reign and whatever you think of it aesthetically i would never argue with you i don't if you think he's had a poor title reign from uh you know i don't think he's had a great title reign from like a i you know he had the plunder match with cody which I thought was better than a lot of other people did fine. I'm sure elite fans ate that match up. I'm sure there's some other people who didn't like it. I had no use for the three way at King of pro wrestling myself. We complained about it on this show at right. the end of the day. I didn't think it was a bad match. I thought it was a pretty good match. And then the, uh, the Ishii match, which, you know, they've had better matches than that match. Uh, those are his three defenses. He hasn't knocked my socks off with his title reign from a, you know, just as a fan. Okay. Uh, so there are two different aspects t- to look at this. But when you look at a business perspective, 6,333 fans in the Cow Palace to see a rematch that the same traveling crowd saw a couple that I saw as well in New Orleans, okay, where they did the same attendance. Nice job there. You look at King of Pro Wrestling. They sold out that show with the three-way after the three-way was announced. Always have to add that footnote. Okay, so I see people saying, oh, that sold out because people thought they were getting a Kenny Ibushi rematch from. No, it did not. That show was struggling in sales until they announced the three way. Then it sold out. Those are just the facts. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, spin things. I'm just spitting out the facts. And then you look at the Ishii match at Destruction in. Forget
0: the city. I just literally wrote a book on this and I forgot the city. <laughs> Our brains are kind of mushier. I think the problem is there was a lot of those. Uh, was not Kobe, I think. I think it was Hiroshima, but... Uh,
1: producers will pull, I think it was Hiroshima. Yeah. Uh, you know, even that match, which was a B pay-per-view, did the best attendance at Destruction in Hiroshima in three years. So my point here is the ticket-buying public has supported Kenny Omega's title reign every step of the way, Regardless what you, I, or anybody else thinks of... It was Hiroshima.
0: It was Hiroshima. So we're right. We're, we're not, we're yes. just, we are we not. just second-guess ourselves too much. We're burnt right? out. Right.
1: <laughs> um, regardless of what anyone thinks of the aesthetic quality of the title reign, and I'm someone who thinks it hasn't been great, the ticket-buying public has responded. The Cow Palace show was the biggest gate in the history of the Cow Palace They've been running shows there for decades. The Destruction Show was the highest attended Destruction Show in Hiroshima in three years. King of Pro Wrestling sold out after they announced the three-way. The Budokan Hall G1 uh, match against uh, Kota Ibushi was the fastest-selling G1 ticket in history. So... I don't understand why people didn't think that people would then buy tickets to see Kenny Omega against Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's a better match than all those other matches with the possible exception of the Abushi match, which was protected for years. So it makes sense to me that people are into this match because they've been into Kenny Omega's title reign every step of the way. And you have Hiroshi Tanahashi involved, who is enormously popular and is trying to, uh, you know, this, like you alluded to, the style conflict between the two and trying to win his company back is a pretty compelling story. When you look at it, I don't think it's a super red hot build at the same time. I didn't think it needed to be. I think people are into Kenny Omega and I think people are into the idea of Hiroshi Tanahashi winning the G1. I think this show sold most of their tickets the night Tanahashi won the G1. I think really that's all you needed. And it kind of has played out that way, but I do think it's a combination of things. Everything we just talked about with Omega and how from a business perspective his title run is working. If you don't think the New Japan accountants are happy with Kenny Omega's title run, you're seriously in another planet. We can you, you can bash his in-ring all you want. I'm not, like I said, I won't argue with you. If you don't think the bookkeepers think this guy's doing a good job, you lost. Okay. So everything we just talked about with Omega, Tanahashi, the main event, Friday night and also the depth of the card.
0: because the Yeah, I think that's an important part, too. Yeah, there's absolutely. just so much. As you said, there is a superstar in every single match. There is somebody. Match. Shingo's a guy who has a, a noted record of, of doing, you know, of drawing. Kodobushi has, and he's in the fucking opener. Kodobushi, who we've talked about on the show, is a draw in of itself. Kotobushi being on the show, he's in the opener. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Kushida Absolutely. is is has done in, in some great stuff. Taji Shimori used to be a top star in, in in other companies. He's you know what fourth from the top or whatever. Okada third from the top. Naito is in your semi main event. He's a guy that we can't ignore as well. I mean, Chris top to bottom, on yeah, right. Like it's it's so it's a confluence I mean. of so many things, and 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 credit to them. Yes. I mean, it's an incredible card. I-
1: And and, and when you look at it from that perspective, how loaded the card is with star power, the power of the main event, the power of the semi-main event, and the third match from the top, Rich, is the best-built match on the show, Okada and Jay White. It's the best-built match on the show, and Okada is in it, okay? And that's third from the top, and we haven't even mentioned it. When you combine all of those factors, it's pretty easy to see why this show is doing an enormous number. It is Way too, it's just, if you're going to sit here and tell me it's because it's on Friday night, you're a geek. I don't want to hear from you. If you're going to sit here and tell me it's all because of Kenny Omega, you're a geek and I don't want to hear from you. It's all of these things combined why why New Japan has booked and promoted what appears to be an enormously successful show. And Rich, this is why I just roll my eyes at Gato being the village idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. All you need to do is sit back and look at this. And if you sit here with a straight face and tell me how poorly New Japan was booked this year and how poorly this show is booked, it just doesn't hold up to business scrutiny. The show is an enormous success because it's a well-booked, interesting show.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's start. Uh, we'll start from the bottom. I think that's probably the best way to do this because there's just so much to talk about here. We'll talk about the pre match. Of course, we mentioned the New Japan Rumble is no more, it has been replaced in the uh, the opener or the the, the, uh, the, the pre show, I should say, uh, with the gauntlet match for the never open weight, uh, number one contendership for the never open weight six man tag team championship. You have the most violent players, Joe, Togi Makabe and Toro Yano, that together at last. Uh, they're teaming with Rusuke Toguchi, uh, they're against Yuji Nagata. Jeff Cobb, David Finley. They're also against the chaos team of Roki Goto, Beretta and Chucky T as well as Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer and David Boy Smith Jr. Of Suzuki gun. And then last but not least, the elite hangman page, Yujiro Takahashi and Marty Skrill. So, uh, that's a pretty, I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not in love with the opener, but you look at some of the names there, I mean, you got a Yuji Nagata in there, obviously a big deal, uh, Minoru Suzuki. I mean, he was what fourth from the top or third from the top, you know, last year, he's all the way in the gauntlet there. Uh, Pretty fun stuff there. I mean, and 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 really, the most interesting thing I think, and we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, is Makabe and Torriano. I mean, that has huge ramifications for the entire rest of the year and, and the entire tag division too. If that's the you know the most valiant players, if that's going to be a thing where they're teaming up again. But uh, what are your overall thoughts and temperature and and maybe prediction about the uh, the the opener gauntlet? I'm gonna plug this book like a motherfucker. <laughs> Do it. Show. Voice Wrestling slash NJPW18. By the way,
1: you hit on something that I talked about in the book a lot because I wrote all the tag team profiles. Um, if, if Togi Makabe and Toru Yano are a thing moving forward and the peers that they will be as they put MVP back together, and I think they'll be involved in the tag team title mix all year as well, uh, which means I don't think that they'll win this match. Um, it means that great bash heel as a team is done, which would make sense because, um, Hanma just is not looking good. And they, they didn't, they were afraid he didn't work a single singles match all year. So they won't put him in a singles match. Great Bash heel as a team only worked one tag team match, Makabe and Hanma, when they were, you know, they did their big return match. And then they he did they didn't they didn't even trust Hanma to put him in, in in two versus two tags. I mean, they really protected him and he isn't moving around well. So it could be an end of an era with Togi Makabe and, and Tomoaki Hanma as a regular team no longer being a team. Hanma Makabe teamed with Toa Hanare in the World Tag League. Yeah. And you had Hanma. Cutting promos, saying I'm going to get back into that thing next year, and it's just said because he's not. I think they're moving on from Hanma. I think he's uh, prelim for life at this point. He's a six-man opener guy, and I think they're going to move Makabe, who is still useful. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, he's look. I don't love the guy either, but you know, he's a useful guy on the roster who's popular, and I think they're going to move him into a tag team with Turoyano. I think that that's going to have a little juice in the early part of the year. I'm not crazy about it. I don't really care about these guys getting back together. It's not my thing. I'm not a big fan of either one of them. Um, I understand the history and and that part of it is fun. But I do think they're going to move Makabe into a team with Yano. I think Great Bash heel is a thing of the past. And along those same lines, I think Tenkoji is a thing of the past. You know, Rich, it was a, as recently as last year that they were in the tag team title mix. Early 2017, they were still you know they were tag team champions in 2017 right right um you know and 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 Tenzon really aged really fast in 2017 yeah, yeah. with the ankle and then kojima blew out his knee in that match against roosh at Fantastic mania and he returned from the the knee injury pretty quickly for a 50 year old man i gotta say you he was only out about nine months but um Physically he looks okay, but they've done nothing with him and they've done nothing with Tenkoji. They they had a terrible you know, they were five and eight in the World Tag League, so they got no booking respect in the World Tag League. As a team, we talk about it every year, Rich, Tenkoji would normally finish with like an absurd one loss record because they would just They were a crowd-pleasing act for house shows. They would kick ass and win all their matches on house shows. And they'd go like 20-5 and over the course of the year. You know what I mean? You know, they'd win and get a big pop on the house. The same thing with like Liger and Tiger Mask. It's kind of like that role. This year, Tenkoji, losing record, losing record in the World Tag League. Tenzan's a part-timer. And like Hanma, I have a feeling that Satoshi Kojima is another guy who's going to be here one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but I've got to come to grips with it. Yeah. And I don't think Tenkoji is going to be an important factor moving forward. I don't think Kojima. And the, the thing about Kojima's blown out knee last year was I think he missed his, his, his goodbye G1. They gave one the Tenzan. They gave one the Nagata. I think this year would have been Kojima's.
0: Yeah, and there's just no space for him in the And future. now there's no
1: space. Yeah. And and, and, and,
0: and that's what that's what Tenkoji and and you know uh, Great Bash Shield too is there's just not space for guy these guys yeah. anymore in this tag division. I mean there's there's barely space for KS and, and they're you know still, you know, in the prime of their careers or whatnot, and you have a tough time finding out how they're gonna sort of get their way into tag title shots or whatnot. Right. So yeah, it's even harder for like a Tenkoji type and and, and that. So yeah, no, I'm I'm so with you on just, that. It just seems like
1: we're moving on from some veterans. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting transition point, I, and I don't think those two tag teams will be factors moving forward. And I, I, I don't see Kojima. I think Kojima is going to be put into that part-time role as well, with your Tenzons and your Nakanishis and your Hanmas, and doing literally nothing of importance. Nakanishi was the first one from the third generation to kind of end up in that role, and then it was Tenzon, and then it was Nagata, and now I think it's going to be Kojima. And, um, you know, it's look, time waits for no man, right? I mean, these guys are all 50 years old. So, um, it's a shame. I would have liked to see Kojima have a last G1. And Maybe he will, maybe it is all waste of time. Maybe they'll find room for him this year and he'll go one in nine and, you know, whatever the case. And, you know, but, um, you know, I just, I just thought that was interesting with the MVP thing, but, um, yeah. So I think that's where they're going with, with Makabe and Yano. Did you mention that Elgin's out of the match?
0: Elgin is out of the match. Yeah. Eugene Nagata replacing him. So it's Jeff Cobb, David Finley and, and, and Eugene Nagata there. So Elgin is out. Uh, yeah. As far as teams here, it, it's cause it, cause it, it's the never open weight six. I have no fucking clue. I mean, it could be anybody really. So I don't have a real good read on it. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be the Nagata Cobb Finley team. That just doesn't seem like it'll work all that well. I guess the Goto Beretta, Chucky e. T has, a, has potential there. Uh, the Suzuki gun team, I think uh, definitely has some potential there. And I, I wouldn't rule out the most violent players, the Togi Makabe, Rusuke Taguchi team, like, again, they could win the titles, lose them another month later, and then you can kind of break off that to the MVPs, you know, kind of being back in, in, in the fold. But this might be a good opportunity to, to sort of show that, hey, the chemistry is back there, and, and maybe these guys can kind of go on their own. And Rusuke Taguchi is, I, I love the idea of him just continually winning this title with, like, just the, the most ragtag group of guys yeah. on any given week. He can just cobble together two dudes and, and win these titles. This is, of course, just for the number one contendership, though. But I mean, this could go anyway, especially since it's not the title match. So I don't know if I have a real. Uh, a great read on it, but I think the the significant thing is like, and you sort of said is is, is this show, and and I think a lot of it was people saying, oh, it's all the all the Gaijins are, are are pushing the old guys off, and I, I I think it's partially that, but I also think the old guys are just getting too old you know you know and 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 like it sucks that it's gotten that way for a Tenzan for a uh, Juice Thunder Liger who's not on the show at all uh for Sosho Kojima who's, who's not on the show Nakanishi who's who's not on the show it's that but it's also that there's just no I mean there's so much talent coming in in terms of guys like a Shingo in terms of a guys like a Taiji Ishimori in terms of of guys like a Juice Robinson you can call him a guy if you want but he's through the dojo and all that sort of stuff like these guys have replaced those other and it, it's just you don't need, and and I guess it's a benefit to them, too, that they don't need to go back to these 50-year-old dudes. They don't have to go back to the old, older guys. I like these older guys having a presence on the show, but I get it. There's just not a whole lot of place to put these guys, so that's why you end up with a match like this. Yeah, maybe they could have cobbled together a few of them and put them in, in, in this gauntlet match, but... Again, this Gauntlet match is already kind of loaded. I'm mean, talking about Nora Suzuki is in this, and he was you know in a huge featured match uh, you know a year ago. He's a guy that main evented you know Tokyo does in the past. Like so, the idea that he's just kind of there, you know, it 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 shows you just how in some ways bloated, but in some ways stacked this roster is. I don't know if stacked or bloated is the right. I I, I think it's stacked. You can call it bloated if you want, but I think you know regardless, it it, it shows you just how interesting this card is with the name in that opener. I think when
1: it comes to pro wrestling rosters, it's a lot like baseball where you can never have enough pitching. You can never have enough stars. And I think the problem is then how you, how do you utilize a quote-unquote bloated roster? That's where the problem comes in. If you're utilizing the right people in the right places and maximizing your assets, I don't think you could have a roster that's quote-unquote too big. The problem is if you're hoarding talent or you're not giving people opportunities or you're not giving the right people opportunities, That's where roster bloat, I think, becomes a problem. I think New Japan has done a decent job with the juggling act of utilizing their talent. Now, you're still going to have situations like this where Hiroki Goto and Minoru Suzuki, who arguably had the best match at last year's show, third from the top or fourth from the top or whatever it was, are relegated to the pre-show match. But Rich, as I've been consistent with, For six years, or now seven years, think about that, seven years on this show.
0: Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Okay? I've now been consistent with (laughs) So Sometimes it's just not your year. Here's what I would say to Hiroki Goto and Minoru Suzuki. Be a hot act at the right time next year, and you'll get on the show. Get over. Get over. I'm the biggest Hiroki Goto fan in the world. Rich, he's not over right now. Okay? And it's not like he wasn't in a position to be, I mean, he was in a never a title mixed, but look, a lot of it's booking and it's out of your control. I get it. I, I totally understand that. A lot of it is, like you're saying, they want to push a Juice Robinson now. You know, they want to uh, uh, push a Jay White now. Will Ospreay, so another guy, guy who's, yeah, who's taking spot, yeah. Right. And it's like, think about it. If you've got to make a tough cut on your biggest show of the year, okay, and your options are, okay, well, trying to get Jay White over. He's in a huge match. He was going to be on it regardless. We've got Juice Robinson who we want to get a big win. We've got Will Spray, who we're presumably going to push as a heavyweight moving forward. And I've got Minoru Suzuki who's 50 years old and isn't even a contracted wrestler. These are called tough decisions for a reason. They're tough decisions, but you, ha- I think the wise decision is to push the new talent. This is what we scream at wrestling promotions to do. Push the new talent. It's not Like, What harm is this doing to 50-year-old Minoru Suzuki that this year he's working the pre-show match? I mean, it would be more harm if Will Ospreay was in the pre-show match because you had to get Minoru Suzuki on the main card. Because he's Minoru Suzuki.
0: Right, I'll take this scenario a thousand times over that scenario. A I'll, take this, times. I'll take this. I'll take the scenario of the old guys are, are working the July, uh, the January third show, and Minoru Suzuki's in the pre-show. Then we're not building, you know, this hot twenty four or five year old we got here, or right. this, you know, Juice Robinson who's still, you know, about thirty or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like that scenario a lot more. That Taiji Shimori, we're gonna book him and not Juice and Thunder. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I'm into that. I, you know, Shingo. Let's put the, you know, put him in the in a big time Sh- spot yeah, as right. well. I'll take that a thousand times over. Jay White, I'll take that even if they're not, you know, strictly Japanese. Japanese guys, but I think the other thing too is, is people look at it in, in a lot of ways. And again, we're we're still on this fucking pre. That's why this, you know, preview takes so long. But you know, it's not. I, I think people get the idea in their head that it's like, ah, these are these, you know, American these guys in or whatever. Jay White is trained in the New Japan dojo. You know what I mean? Like New Japan, he came up in New Japan, and 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 he's one of their homegrown guys. Juice Robinson, whatever you think about him, he gave everything up to go into the dojo and restart i mean he is by all intents and purposes even though the way he looks despite how he looks he is a, a new japan property you know through and through uh, you know even a guy like will osprey who who I, I think is is very loyal to that company and we, we've seen it we're going to see it in, in in the future year as they're obviously booking towards him and he's becoming a big star he's a guy that they, they're getting behind and whatnot and there's international expansion at hand and all this sort of stuff so the idea that it's like ah this guy's white so he's taking a spot away from somebody is just like all right like like you're not looking i get it like if you want to Make the case for like a Cody that he maybe didn't belong here on this card. I'll buy that. If you want to really make a case that the, the young bucks don't, whatever. I think you're an idiot, but you can make that case that the young bucks don't belong. But you're not going to make a case for me for a Jay White, a Will Osprey, a Juice Robinson. Those guys belong on the show. A Chris Jericho belongs on the show from an international, you know, uh, you know, standpoint. Those guys belong on that show one way or another. And Sorry, Manabu Nakanishi doesn't. I mean, yeah, he's fine. He can do whatever he's, he's going to do, and and yeah, it'd be cool to have these guys in some you know former fashion. Like I said, if you wanted to add another team uh, to this gauntlet, that's fine. If you want to get these guys in the show, but you know, they, these guys know when it's a pity booking too. They're fine. They're probably fine with it. Satoshi Kojima probably doesn't care. Like I, I know he's probably Yushin
1: fine. Th- Yushin Thunder Thunderlager's been begging to get off the of show. <laughs> right, right. He, he like, doesn't want to do anything important.
0: No, he wants I mean, to go to Ring of Honor team with Cheeseburger and you know come back, you know do his dance, have his music play, and get out of there. He's good. We're
1: not even making. He said, "Look, no, he's, yeah. he's he wanted out of that Super Juniors for like five years, and they just kept booking him in it. Like he he it just he 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 look at all the pins that he eats now. He's the pin eater for his tag team with with Tiger Mask because he doesn't care. You know he doesn't want to be pushed. Um, you know some of these other guys might, but you know it, it's 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 I agree. And I I've spent almost no time talking about." Um, That topic because I don't think it's interesting. I think it's a pro wrestling promotion and pro wrestling Booker's job to put forth the best card possible that makes the most amount of money. I think that is their only responsibility. All
0: right, so now we spent 45 (laughs) minutes on the (laughs) card. We'll move on. (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) as far as who will
1: win the, I mean, if it were for the title, it wouldn't matter who wins, and this isn't even for the title, so I I can't make a prediction because it doesn't fucking matter this is all going to set up who probably wins the title the next night at dash. So I don't know. I, I don't have a prediction. I don't think it matters. Um, you can go with any number of teams. I like your scenario with MVP and Taguchi. Cause why not get MVP off to a good start? Yeah,
0: Establish that team, so, which I think is a good yeah. idea. That's and fine. who cares? It's these fucking t- titles. Who gives a shit? Like you're right. They're gonna win them the next night, and then they're gonna lose them the next time they de- they they de- defend them. It's it's whatever. Who cares? Anyway, all right. That is the gauntlet. That is the opener. So now we get to the actual meat of the card. Oh, and Joe, it's only like one of the most anticipated matches of all time. The Kodabushi defending the never open championship against Will Osprey.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> y- you look at this, but I think the more interesting aspect is, I, I think this is where they wanted to be in terms of matchup. I think. Before the Willow Spray was injured, I think the idea was he would be coming into this as a champion, though, which to me puts the outcome in doubt a little bit, because maybe the idea was he wins the NEVER title at the end of the year, loses it to Ibushi, and then they have you know if you're if you followed New Japan booking over the last few years. You know, they feud through New Beginning and until the New Japan Cup, and they, you know, they have three, a three match series, and whoever they want to move forward with the title ends up with it at the end of the three match series. So Willow Spray gets hurt, spends the last quarter of the year uh, basically facing Koto Abushi and Tags, which tells you that this was the end game for Wrestle Kingdom because they had those guys heating it up at the end of the year last year. But he missed the Taiichi title match, so they, they stuck Goto in his place. Goto wins the title and then they found a convoluted way to get the title on Kota Ibushi and get Will Ospreay in the challenger position by beating Taiichi in a number one contender match. And here we are. So I I don't know if it's – see, I think if Will Ospreay would have came in – I think the end game is to come out of the feud – with Will Osprey as the never champion. Oh, Indiana. for sure.
0: Oh, no, hundred percent. And 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 I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's what the result is going to be here. It's just yeah. accelerated, as you said. Like ideally, this would have been going on for three months, culminating in Will Ospreay finally defeating Kotobushi to win this title and kickstart his 2019, which will see him, you know, make the ascent to heavyweight and go into the G1 and do all that sort of stuff. It's going to seem a little rushed, but we know kind of this is where they were going to go. I don't know that they're going to get cute with this and have him wait. I feel like the best option is just to have Will Ospreay win this thing and, and just kick off his year.
1: Well, yeah. Well, my feeling is that their series of matches was going to start here regardless. But I think the original idea was for Osprey to come in as champion, lose this one, and then win it back at some point. But because they had to come into this with a pushy I see. Champion, yeah, yeah. I see. now I think Os- Osprey wins this one. I don't think you want him to lose on this show. Because Kota Ibushi loses nothing.
0: By he's losing tough one. Yeah, he's tough one. It does he's, not matter. Yeah,
1: but, but Osprey needs to win this. If the plan is to give him a big time, if this is the kickoff to his heavyweight push, which we all assume it is, then he needs to win this match. And, and yeah, I think he'll win it in this case and win the title. And then I, I do think that it will continue. I think you could see them face each other. I think this could headline one of the new beginning shows. What do you think about that of them oh, headlining? Certainly. Oh, absolutely. One of the smaller I,
0: I, new beginning, sure. Yeah, we we know Kota could do that on his own. I mean, Kota could do yeah. that with anybody. He could he can do that. And Will Ospreay is not any slouch either. So no, I think absolutely that that that's going to be the scenario. And and you know, all the evidence that we need to know and and again, like I'm making a bold prediction here. I have no idea if Abushi may win this, but but I'm pretty confident Ospreay is going to do it because if you watch that tag match from a you know, a few weeks ago, that was designed to say Will Ospreay has arrived and he is a big deal. That that the match with him and Tanahashi and 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 Kota and, and Kenny. I mean, all of that 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 entire match was designed to tell you that Will Ospreay has arrived and he is here and the next year is his so I'd be stunned if he doesn't walk away from this as champion not that I think the feud's over or whatever but I think now is the time to put the title on him and maybe you got to flip flop it a little bit there and he's sort of the guy now you know code is now challenging him or whatnot or however you want to do that story you know even if this is it for these two guys I think one way or another I think it'd be a, a big mistake to not have Osprey win this one right here.
1: They've been planting these Will spray seeds for far longer than September. He's been working tag team matches with Okada. He worked tag team matches with Ishii. And he worked the tag team match with Tanahashi. He worked several of those tags against teams like the Golden Lovers and the Bucks and things like that. And then he also, don't forget, he had the match against Okada at the anniversary show. Champion versus champion. So they've been planting these seeds all year long, and then of course all of the multi-man tag stuff on the opposite side of bushi at the end of the year to heat this up. They've been planting these seeds all through 2018 that Willow Spray can compete with heavyweights. He's not pinning them. He's not pinning them left and right. Okay, he beats Taiichi. That's Taiichi. That's fine. You know, but this could be the feud where they see okay, we can get Willow Spray over to our fans as a serious heavyweight threat because Kota Ibushi is the real deal in the fans' eyes and a guy who we can beat like a drum and it doesn't make a difference. So this is actually a perfect scenario for that. So, so yeah, I do think because Obushi's coming in as champion, I'm with you, Osprey should win. Wouldn't stun me if he loses, though. It really wouldn't because if they're going to tell the story that Will Osprey really has to – improve his game if he's going to wrestle the heavyweights and this and that if it's an awesome match and he loses i don't think it necessarily kills him off or anything like that but the safer play and the better play is for him to win the title of this show
0: uh what do you make of and and i guess this one scenario that we talked about a little bit earlier uh, a few weeks ago actually when we were doing our wrestle kingdom brief preview where we basically just brought down match times and all that sort of stuff do you think we may be overestimating how awesome this match is going to be. And I mean that, like, we're getting maybe a little too excited and this thing's going to be only 10 minutes long or whatever. You you know, without getting into a a giant diatribe about, you know, match times or whatever, do you think we may be setting ourselves up for disappointment with this match, or do you think it's going to deliver regardless if it gets 10 minutes or 15 or 20 or whatever?
1: This match is tailor-made for massive across-the-board disappointment.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) I thought about it today, and I was like, no. It's the opener. Like, you know, some people will just be waking up and why. Ah, I'm, so, I'm so worried that this thing doesn't deliver. to Because our, our expectations are like, well, this is the greatest match of all time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is going to be incredible. It's going to be the greatest juniors match of all time. And and it might just be the first match of a series with these guys. And it's, it's, it's the opener. As you said, their new beginning, whatever. If, if they were to have a new beginning, that would be the one that really, you know, now they're in the main event and they have 30 minutes to really go out there and kill it. I, I have that same sort of feeling too, that I don't want to get... Too excited about this because I don't want to be disappointed by it. it. It's this weird thing. I, I'm really looking forward to this match, but I'm trying to temper my expectations for that exact reason that you just mentioned.
1: They they can go out there and have an awesome four star match, and people will shit on it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because
1: the expectations are through the fucking roof, and you have to remember it's the opener, and it's a there's a real possibility that they get ten minutes and have a three and a half star match, and this is the, this, this match has more opportunity for disappointment than any other, because of all those factors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The opener, the, the, the first of eight title matches. I mean, there's nine more matches after it. Like, come on,
1: (laughs) just the sheer expectations of how great people, like, look at it this way. Ishi Zack Sabre Jr. Looks awesome. Right. But like, if they had a three and three quarter star match, you're not going to be like, Oh, if Abushi and Osprey do, your night's going to be ruined. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it. I mean, really, I mean, it's going to take you an hour to recover until someone goes out there and really fucking kills it and washes the taste out of your mouth. And that's if they have like a four star match, because the expectations are wild for this one. And listen, Rich, we talk about it all the time. When you give yourself high bars to clear, now it's on you to clear them. These guys are great wrestlers among the best in the world, they have to deliver stronger than, then uh, I'm trying to look at this show, but the, everything is going to be great, but it's on them to deliver. Like it's too bad. That's the expectation you've set for yourself. So go out there and do it. It's the biggest show of the year. Unless you're re- unless they give you seven minutes, I don't want to hear it. Go out there and kill it. So, so we'll see, but yeah, I agree. It, it can definitely let you, it, it, big opportunity
0: for lead. Them. It does. Definitely does. Uh, next match here, we got the, uh, God damn it. Triple that tag team match for the junior heavyweight tag team titles. <laughs> Yoshinobu Kanamoro and Desperado, the champions, Rapungi 3K Shonyo and the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo Takagi. You mentioned the book as well, Joe, without you and I do not know at all what what everyone's writing for the profiles until you publish them mostly because you publish them like like six hours before the book goes live or whatever i published them 10 minutes before the show so. <laughs> right so uh but uh voice writing.com slash njpw18 but uh you and i uh you did show i did yo profiles we had the exact same premise of we can't decide who new japan thinks is the future star because the booking is exactly the same for these guys they take the same amount of falls you know they're, uh, they're basically the same person you know so i thought that was kind of interesting there um And we also had a similar thought when we uh, did uh, our Yoshinobu Kanamoro and El Desperado uh, profiles as well. I think, uh, did you do El Desperado or did John do El Desperado? I don't remember.
1: I didn't do Desperado. Okay, you did not uh, do that.
0: But, okay, John, uh, but we had similar thoughts, too, of like, hey, these guys have been, you know, they've won these titles, and they've held these titles for a long goddamn time. I know you did yes. the, the at least the tag team. I did their tag uh, their team. Their tag team portion, portion. Yeah. yeah. So I had the same thing when I was talking about Kanemura. I'm like, I don't think anybody's realizing <laughs> that these dudes have held the titles longer than anybody since 1999, Joe. Shinjiro Otani is one of the names we have to go back to, and it's Kanemura and El Desperado. I mean, would you have ever imagined this team would have held the titles as long as they did?
1: No, this Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado brought stability to the junior tag what? team. <laughs> this is the team, and they, and they, and it was a pretty good run, you know. I, and they're still in that run, but it's been interesting. Um, I, I think they've been good champions. Um, but yeah, I think and, and and the show and yo thing, I don't think the company knows because you look at the fall. The when it comes to New Japan, you look at the pin data. Yeah, every fall in every match of New Japan matters. It just does because that's the way they book things, and you can really get a clue into who they, say, who they think are slotted above the other based on the pin data, and you're right. It's right down the middle with Show and Yo. It, there is no pin eater on that team, and there's no guy who scores all the pins. It's split down the middle both ways um, to, the, to the point where both of them finish the year overall minus three in pin differential. Like you can't do that on purpose,
0: right? No, I was looking. I was looking for the big dunk there because I was trying to say, "Hey, Yo is the superstar," and I know it. And, then, and I'm like, "All right, let me look at their differentials. Yo's got three, and Show, goddamn it, he's got three too. Okay, They're both minus <laughs> you know? three. It's crazy. It's exactly the same. I was like, motherfucker.
1: But when I look at them, I think Show jumps off the page. Nah, you're as wrong. A dunk. You're wrong. And you think Yo is the star?
0: I do. That was the that was the premise of my profile is that you're wrong and I'm right. So
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like. Another thing in the book, I write two separate profiles: the tag profile of Rapongi 3K and Show, waxing poetic of how I think Show is a future star. And Rich writes about how he thinks Yo is a future star. Yes. So you get you get all you get like the opposite takes on any topic possible in this book. If people think this is a flagship, writes a book, and we give the same take, no, you get divergent takes on all of these topics, which is why the book is so great. But enough shilling. My point here is I think Sho is a future. I think he's a potential heavyweight star. I really do. I mean, you know, depending on what they think of his size. So we don't know what's going on with Pongy 3K. But right now, I think they're going to be a tag team for at least another year. At least. Because New Japan is very patient. I think that they're going to have their, their signature year as a team in 2019. I think they're going to control the division this year. I think they brought them in with a lot of fanfare, the big winning streak. They won the Super Junior Tag Tournament at the end of 2017. They won the titles. They vanquished uh, the Young Bucks and won that feud and, and positioned themselves as the ace team of the division. And now this year was a little tumultuous for them. They've struggled with the Suzuki Gun team all year. It's the only team they can't beat. I think 2019 is the year that Rapongi 3K takes over the division. So I think Rapongi 3K wins this match and they have a big year. So that's my prediction on the match.
0: Yeah, I'm right with you on that. Uh, the Roppongi 3K winning this. I think it's it's obviously time for the Suzuki Gun team to drop it. And I just the LIG team just doesn't need it. I mean, Bushi strikes you know strikes me as the, as the pin eater this entire match. Whoever does pin him, whether it be a show or Yo, know, we have no idea. Flip a coin, who knows? And wait, I, I think the long term is that Shingo isn't destined to be a junior and, and probably shouldn't be toiling away in the uh, the junior uh, uh, tag division. So no, I, I'm right with you on the Roppongi 3K uh, winning this match and, and kind of kickstarting the 2019 as well.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's either Bushi. I I could see, like, Kanamuru taking the pin, too. He tends to take the pins even though he's the veteran of the team because I think they protect Desperado a little more. Um, But I do think Krapangi 3K wins. I agree with your LIJ take. The idea that Shingo Takagi, long-term, is going to be the number two junior in his own unit Disturbs. Get out me. of here.
0: Get, nah, That's, there's no way. What's that, that show to Aminu match? I mean, that was enough evidence to me that they know. There's no way that they saw that match and said, ah, oh, yeah, this guy's, this guy should definitely be the backup junior of L.I.J. Like, there's no way, right? There's no,
1: if they sign this guy to be a tag team wrestler and the number two guy in the out of the juniors in his own unit, they're nuts.
0: I'll join he, the Gato Sucks straight <laughs> if that's the case, all right? Like, officially, if Shingo in two years does nothing but junior title matches or junior, you know, best of the super juniors and all that shit, then I will join the Gato Sucks. Well, straight. you know if how that.
1: long it takes. I mean, they – New Japan is patient to a fault sometimes when it comes to getting things rolling. I mean, look how long it took to see the value in Will Ospreay. I mean, it's ridiculous. But, you know, with Shingo, it's like – I. I <laughs> it's it's he 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 clearly can be a star and, and and that shoto amino match you just referenced i mean he just popped off like i talk about show like he popped off the screen in that singles situation and it's like wow he cannot be in a tag team with bushi long
0: <laughs> no right be. right what a waste like I, mean, I saw that match and i was like this is a disgrace and he has to team with bushi nothing against bushi but it's a shingo has got so much more potential than than you know
1: yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I think it's a good introduction for him to come into the company. That's it, it, fine for now. And the way they do things, he'll probably spend all year in this role. And, and I get it because they move very slow. Um, mm. But I have to think that they see the potential there for what he could be. I mean, he could be – here's the thing about Shingo. He's not like – he's big enough to be a heavyweight because he works like a heavyweight. That's a big key too. And that's why I kind of slot show ahead of Yo. They're about the same size, but Sho works like a heavyweight, whereas I think Yo works like a junior. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I don't disagree with that even though I think Yo is the bigger – yeah, no, I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, so it's like I, I, I look at Shingo and you know, if he didn't work like, – like, like he's a power junior and he works like a heavyweight and he, has the, he exudes the confidence of a guy who's like, I don't give a fuck how big you are. I can beat you up. And I, I wrestle like the big guys. And when you, if you saw him in the champion carnival uh, earlier you know, last year or whatever it was, um, he works credibly with heavyweights. So I look at a guy like Shingo as a number two junior teaming with Bushi, and I'm like, this is a total waste of an asset. But I get it. It's early on in the run. But, yeah, it all adds up to, I think, Rapongi 3K wins this match, and I think they control the division for the rest of the year.
0: I move on now to the next match, as I mentioned, the one I keep getting excited about for the British Heavyweight Championship. You got Tomohiro Ishi defending the title against Zach Saber Jr. Joe, this is third from the bottom. And this would be a main event in, I said 90% earlier. It's probably what 99% of companies in the world would probably have this uh, as a main event. But here we get it third from the bottom Tomaru Ishii, Zach Sabre Jr. Joe, my excitement level is off the charts. I might be setting myself up for disappointment with this one too, but I don't think so. Because if anybody can make something incredible happen in 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, it's these two dudes. I cannot wait for this match. When does Ishii not deliver? Right, exactly. Right. Like that. Zach Sabre, I'm going to put Zach in that same atmosphere too. I have not, like, there's some times where it doesn't hit all. All the way but more times than yeah. not you're getting something I haven't I, I can't remember the last time I watched a Zach Sabre Jr. match That said ah, that was just completely irrelevant I'm sorry I watched that like you know what I mean like I think he no matter what can deliver something to you and Toma Rishi is fucking the greatest wrestler ever so you know uh,
1: Sabre Jr. another guy potentially the bell to bell wrestler of the year so yeah. you know it's like did you see the Rev Pro match from Mania Weekend or no because
0: I did yeah I did yeah, yeah well, no, I come see- up on that like three months after it happened but yeah
1: yeah, I was there live, marking out with the Meltsman and Jeff Hawkins and everybody else, and it was just. Was that the it, one that
0: Suit was like cheering and doing every punch, Suit Williams of no, the. No, I do Oh, that was Ring of Honor. He was at right.
1: No, I Suit was at like all the WWN stuff, um, like the uh, suit, WWN Super Show with Riddle and 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 Ospreay. Uh That was the one where where Suit was was shadow boxing the air, <laughs> and that was the one where you know uh, Alan Alan Cunahan came running up to us after the match just. Going mental. Like, did you see that? But like, yes, Alan, I saw it. I stood here and watched the whole match, sir. Um, you know, so I was there with the markout crew. You know, when you got Alan and Sue Williams in the building, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It's an experience seeing these men watch wrestling. Um, but yeah, no, this was the Rev Pro show. This was in the WrestleCon building because Rev Pro was with WrestleCon, and I watched this one. Uh, you know, with uh, with uh, with the hawk, uh, Jeff Hawkins was there, and uh, Meltzer was there, Alvarez was there, but I don't think he was paying attention. And I'm no, I'm not. I I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, and uh, and Ishi, I you know, obviously one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. You know, to see him win a promotion's top title in front of your eyes, and it was fucking awesome. That match fucking ruled. So, I mean, if they can match that match, I don't know if they're going to get the time that that one guy. That wasn't a super long match, though. Maybe twenty minutes or something like that. Um, bottom line is this: you know, I'm excited about it, and um, there's no reason with these two guys why they can't have a great match. I'm more confident in them. Having a great match, ten minutes,
0: one hundred percent.
1: You know, so it's they can tell a more interesting story. If if Abushi and Osprey get ten minutes, they're just going to do flips, which is fine, and it'll be a a nice visual. But these guys could have a good match with some actual psychology if they get ten minutes.
0: Yeah, that's the exact thought that I have, is that, that if anybody can really make that 10 minutes work and, and make the constraints of, you know, being the third match from the bottom work, it, it's these guys for sure. So I'm, I'm on the same wavelength for you there. Uh, any thoughts on winner? Uh, I don't know if I have a really good prediction for that. I think um, this next year, Virginia, probably, but I, I like the idea of Ishii as a champion that can always kind of go back there. I, this is kind of a toss-up for me. I don't know if the builds kind of went any one direction.
1: No, I mean, I, it's a toss-up. I mean, I don't, I don't have my finger on the pulse of RevPro booking, Okay, I'll be the first to admit that. But even with that said, with with, with the amount of RevPro I do watch, I still I don't think anyone has a there's no obvious winner here, I think is the point. But now if Zack Saber Jr. is a guy that you elevated the year before and, and and you want him to get a big win on a big show, but with that said, who's booking this match? You know, I is RevPro booking this match? Is did New Japan tell them, Hey, look, the old Gabe Polsky thing, right? When the Dragon Gate guys would come in for WrestleMania weekend, he would tell Dragon Gate, do whatever you want. Buy my book and you're finished. You, you guys, you know, I, I, right. I'm hands off. This could be the same kind of deal where they're like, listen, I, you know, it's your title. It's, these are your guys. Do whatever you want with it. Or does New Japan say, listen, we've got plans this year for Zack Sabre Jr. Um, you can have your match. We'll do this match on this show, but Zach's got to win. I don't know the answer to that.
0: All right, we'll move on here to another triple threat match here. We have the three-way for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. you got the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatango, and Loa, of course, defending against the LIJ team of Sonata and Evil, as well as the Young Bucks. Joe, who do you think is coming out of this triple threat as the Tag Team Champions?
1: I think the best way to approach both of these menage a trois matches is to ignore how we got there. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it, if I'm serious, I, you know, if you focus on how, and listen, I buried both of those tournaments. No, they fucking sucked. In the book.
0: Yeah. The, the, the tournament sucked and the results sucked and the build of it sucked. Yeah. There.
1: And I go into a long diatribe in the book in, in the Gato profile of how this man just does not give a fuck about tag teams. He doesn't. Um, and I get into the whys and whether that's smart and all that, but you, you buy the book, I told you, I'm going to plug the book all throughout this thing. I'm a businessman, rich. Um, I think how you have to approach these two menage a trois matches is you're not going to be able to enjoy them if you're focusing on how we got there. In a vacuum, they both could turn out to be very good matches. Three ways are always tricky. Okay, they, these can be gentlemen's threes all the way. I could totally see that. But I think inserting the bucks into this match improves – the ceiling of the match because we've seen gorillas of destiny in this LIJ combination so many times and they've never blown my doors off. Okay. I think you stick the bucks in here. It adds a different dynamic and the bucks do not have bad matches at worst. The bucks will give you a wild spot fest where you're nodding your head at the end going. That was a lot of fun. That's at worst. So get the booking out of your mind, enjoy the match for what it is. And I think it could be a pretty good match. I think gorillas of destiny uh, are going to lose both of their titles in the span of two days. I think they lose this match. I think LIJ wins the titles. And I think um, Bullet Club loses the six-man titles at Dash the next day, too.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I have a good read on this match. I The Bucks, I, I think a lot of it, the Bucks win, it'll definitely be revealing in some ways. It'll definitely be an eye-opener uh, if they win because it'll let us know a little bit maybe of the all-lead thing. I... I would very much bet against them in in this particular match and uh, while they're kind of working all that stuff out. It seems like Sonata and Evil, it's probably a good time for them. I mean, it it allows them to have something to do in the first half of the year, even though we're all kind of ready for Sonata to sort of break out uh, in the last half of the year. I think it just makes all sense. I, I, I think typically in the, in these Wrestle Kingdom matches, I tend to go for title changes more than I would, you know, the guys kind of holding on to the titles. But in this case, it definitely does make sense that Girls of Destiny would, would, would move on from these titles. And and I think it's not and Evil seemed like a good landing place, but, I mean, the Bucks would be interesting, you know? What, what would you think if the Bucks walked out of there with the titles? I mean, that would definitely be an eye-opener, right?
1: I think, and, and it's a good time to talk about this, a lot of these finishes, people are going to be reading into them. Yeah. You know, and that's fun. I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's fun. I think, you know, the Bucks lose, especially if they take the fall. Like, you know, Mato Jackson, you know, gets pinned clean as a sheet, center of the ring. Twitter's going to blow up. Oh, that means they're not re-signing. They just buried the buck. <laughs> and that shit's fun. You know, the same thing's going to happen with Kenny Omega in the main event. Same thing's going to happen, uh, you know, with Cody and all these guys. It's like people – and Kushida, another one, right? Eyes are going to be on that. Taiji Ishimori wins the title, which I think he's going to do. Regardless of whether Kushida leaves or not, I think Ishimori is winning that title. But when Ishimori beats Kushida, people are going to be going crazy with the idea, oh, my God, he is going to – So, and this is the first match on the show where people will be um, you know, looking at it from that perspective. But, yeah, I, I with the Bucks New Japan future legitimately still up in the air, I, I think that they'll leave them out of this. I just – I don't see the point in LIJ not winning this unless – At new beginning and some of the earlier shows, they have singles plans for either Sonata or Evil, which is entirely possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I, again, this, I, 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 even though this match itself, like, I'm, I'm somewhat excited for this, I think I'm more excited for uh, uh, the junior three-way, but in this one, I'm really excited because it, 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 to me, as you said, reading into the results, if the Bucks lose, and it's one of the, the Nick that takes the fall, it's like, oh, okay, all right, like, there we go, and if the LIJ team doesn't win, then I'm going to have a similar thought of, like, okay, maybe the Sonata is going to happen sooner, maybe he's getting ready for the New Japan Cup, and he's going to win the whole thing. and and kickstart his singles run or whatever. So I'm going to be really excited and probably read way more into the results than I should. But again, like you said, that's really fun to do. So I'm I'm excited to see the results of this match. I don't know that I'm all that excited to see kind of the in-between of it or, or the actual work of the match itself. But with that said... The Bucks, and we mentioned it weeks ago, too. The Bucks in this match make it a much, much, much better match. I mean, the Bucks and and Sonata and Evil have really good chemistry uh, together, so I'm looking forward to that. And the Girls of Destiny, eh, we'll see. I mean, they can sometimes rise to the occasion. This is probably not that time, but uh, I'm interested to see Sonata and Evil uh, and the Bucks uh, do battle here. So, interested in the match regardless, uh, but more like kind of the result of the match more so than the actual. Well, well, I'll tell you what. If
1: if Girls of Destiny win, someone's taking that ape shit because Tangaloa (laughs) is a pin machine. He just drills people with that ape shit and scores every fucking fall. Uh, For a guy who didn't work a singles match all year, um, he is certainly protected uh, when it comes to uh, scoring pins uh, for Girls of Destiny, who won, I don't know, something like, what, uh, 9,748 tag team matches last year? Something like that, yeah,
0: just an ungodly number. Those guys are dominant, yeah. All right, we'll move on now to the next match here. We got the IWGP United States Championship match: Cody versus Juice Robinson. I think probably the worst built match on this entire show because Cody just wasn't around uh, to do any build. But uh, all things considered, I'm pretty excited for it because I think Juice Robinson. I'm really excited for him to kind of kickstart this 2019, and hopefully, this is the time when when he can do it. And I was going back, you know, for the ebook voicereson. slash njpw18 uh, and doing Juice Robinson's profile, and I went back and rewatched that uh, the, the match he had with Jay White. Uh, at The G1 special and just like the emotion and how awesome that match was. And it kind of stunk that he kind of got caught up in, in, in Cody winning this title and and some of the other stuff happening. I hope now it's just definitive juice goes in there. He beats Cody. He's this champion. And hopefully, maybe this title will finally get resurrected or finally get some sort of direction because right now it's just been kind of floating at the wind. Cody hasn't really been around to defend it. I'm really looking forward to Juice just going in there and winning this title and, and and the next step of this title, the next evolution of this title and the next evolution of Juice Robinson too. So while the build's been lackluster and the match, I don't know how it's going to really do. I'm excited to see how you know Juice and, 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 and sort of the reaction to him as well. So
1: This is the surest finish on the show. This Juice Robinson will 100% win this match. Yeah. I think there's 0% chance Cody wins the match. I don't think there's any other match on the show where I can be that confident in the outcome. Uh, Juice is going to win, and I think that Juice is going to work a lot of these uh, smaller U.S. shows that they that they've booked early in the year. I think that he will headline those shows as the U.S. champion. I think they're the perfect sized venues to do that with. And um, and Cody, again, his again, his New Japan. Now, look, he wrote some things in our book. Um, it's out there for the public to see. Now, he seems to think that he'll be working in New Japan this year. Um, and like I said, I think all the elite guys want to be working in New Japan this year. I've said that all along. So, you know, it's like, but his future is still technically up in the air coming into this thing unless they reach a deal in the next couple days or whatever with, with all elite. Because he's under contract now to all elite. So depending on how the all elite ROH thing shakes out, if New Japan sides with Ring of Honor and decides to honor their business partner and freeze out all elite talent then these guys are done with New Japan so Cody has to lose and it just he, he needs to lose any the story here is Juice Robinson winning the feud anyway but um, so th- so th- so the outcomes a sure thing it's the match on the show that has the best chance of being the worst match on the show if that makes sense with that said I could see this being better than than One or both of the three-way tags, because I I'm fairly confident one of the three-way tags doesn't land. There's just too much going on in matches like that. It's it's the
0: heavyweight one for sure. (laughs) If we're being honest, it's the heavyweight one.
1: So it's like, and Cody, listen, the match against Kota Ibushi, which we all buried six feet under before it happened, and then I don't know, Cody Kota Ibushi just got an incredible fucking match out of the guy. Can Juice do that? I don't know. Um, you know it, the thing with Cody is I think he works better in a you know more traditional way. When he tries to be work rate Cody, I think that's where he struggles because I don't think he can keep up. It's just not who he is. So I think the kind of match it is matters too. But if Cody, look, this is Tokyo Dome. If he tries to grind this thing to a halt and and work a fucking Southern style with Drew, I don't think that's going to work either. So I don't know. This is a match where the outcome is in no doubt whatsoever, but the quality of the match to me could be anywhere from, wow, that was shockingly good, that's a four-star match, bravo, to that was fucking horrible. dud. I can't believe this was on this show. I really think it's here, there, or anywhere in between.
0: Yeah. No, I I remember with you on that, too. I I, I tend to think it'll probably, because I think Juice has had a great year. I think he's had a really underrated good year as well. Maybe all the matches haven't landed, but I think he's told really great stories throughout. And I think him and Cody, as you said, Cody's not really work rate, guy all the way, but he's good at storytelling and he's good at sort of telling a story within a match and, and working a crowd and whatnot, and I think Juice is good at that sort of stuff, too. I mean, look at the early G1 matches he had, and he's working over his arm, and then, you know, I think it was the match against Sonata where he rips his cast off, and and like just stuff like that. He's really good at kind of painting between the lines there, so I think Cody's probably a good opponent for him, and we've seen these guys have some, you know, their, their first match at the Wrestle Kingdom, of what, two years ago was, was, was not great, but I think Cody is a better worker now than he was then, and I think Juice is obviously much more improved over that, too, so I think there's a potential for it to be pretty good. But yeah, you're right. Well, I'd be shocked if it's just an absolute dud and we go, oh, Jesus, what a disaster that was. No, I wouldn't be but I, I tend to be a little bit more I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit more confident in it um, delivering, at least to some extent, than, than being a complete bomb. But we'll see. I think no doubt that the result is Juice Robinson winning though. I think we all can kind of agree with that, which is the right result and 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 hopefully, mercifully, this title can maybe get some direction and some some clarity uh, here uh, moving forward. But let's move on to the... Uh, Rich, oh, before, we, before we move on to
1: the next match, I've got breaking news. oh
0: Go ahead. I don't even know if I'm breaking know
1: what this is. news. No, you don't. I I just received breaking news. Our good and it comes from our good friend Joey Bay. Oh, okay. Joey Bay has some breaking news for us, and this is flagship worthy. Uh, Joey Bay is watching the All Japan show right now. You know, All Japan has their shows in Cork and early in the year. Um, he has reported that Hikaru Sato Rich is wearing shoes.
0: What? <laughs> Oh my god. That's
1: right. It says. Uh, we'll,
0: we'll cancel we, the rest of this new Wrestle Kingdom thing. All right, let's talk more about this. Hold on. <laughs> we
1: need to talk about this. Yeah, Kenny
0: Omega, Rosh Hashi, that's the main event. Jericho Naito. Okay, yeah, get back to. Uh, okay, what's going on here with Saito and the, the. So
1: so? Joey Bay has added us on Twitter. Okay. Okay. And he says, Joe, are you watching the All Japan show? And he tagged All Japan so that other fans can see. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sato. And he says, are you watching the show right now? Exclamation points. The Sato is wearing shoes. Wow. That's big news. That's huge. That's huge. Now, if we can get Mike Bailey to buy a pair of
0: shoes, <laughs> we okay, really Andy have on. done something in this world. Yeah.
1: Speedball over in DDT. Okay. If we can get the speedball to wear some shoes, maybe we can finally end this godforsaken podcast because our missions will have been accomplished. We can put the banner behind us like GW, right? Mission accomplished. Hikaru Sato and Speedball are wearing shoes with their kick pads. Wow. Rich, I gotta tell you, Hikaru Sato, I will not pick on this man from this point forward.
0: Well, I still—I I kind of think he still stinks. <laughs> is that okay? Is, I still think that's he
1: fine. You can okay. you can bury you can continue burying him. I made a promise, and I'm a man of my word. And everyone knows Joe Lanz is a man of honor. Okay, I would said stop picking on this man. If he if he if he wore shoes, he's wearing shoes. I am now Team
0: Hikaru Sato. Wow, I didn't know you. Did, when did you make this declaration that you would just never bury him ever again? Go with the bit, Rich. Just go with the bit. <laughs> okay. Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. Yes. I, I, of I course. Think, you said I, that I, on the January 12th, 2017 episode, if you guys want to go back in the archives. Uh, that's look right. for January 12th, uh, what did I say? 17. Don't uh, ever was, listen to the archives. Yeah. Um,
1: th- 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 but They're all I, bad.
0: Every show is the, wor- the last show that we did that's not this one is terrible. So no, there, don't, go don't listen, listen to the there. archives. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs>
1: I am now Team Hikaru Sato.
0: Okay, wow. All right.
1: Thank you, Now, he still has to do something about that hair. But listen, <laughs> the I hair can
0: live is still with a it. disaster, but you
1: know what? I can live with the hair if he's wearing shoes. There's a lot of bad hair in wrestling.
0: Kimia, he fixed his hair a lot. So, I mean, they've listened to us. People listen to us. When we say when we make fun of their hair, they listen to us. So Who fixed
1: their hair? I missed that.
0: Akimia. Uh, Who? <sighs>
1: <laughs> Don't get rich. We're all tired here. It's okay.
0: Kiyomiya from Noah.
1: Kiyomiya, yes. <laughs> right. The eyebrows, though, you know?
0: Well, you know, hey. Maybe it's his brand, like Anthony Davis. He's got like a... It's true. A uniform <laughs> You lean into it. That's the that's the new term. You lean in. Everyone's yeah. leaning
1: into things, right? That's what we do now. So he's just... Maybe he's leaning into the eyebrows. Yeah.
0: The hair it got fixed, though, so that's good. But yeah, the... Uh, so. Sato's halfway there. Uh well, actually a third of the way there. He's gotta be better at wrestling too. But that's fine, you know. That, all
1: right. That's fine. Listen, we'll just have to differ on this. I'm a, uh, I'm team Sato now.
0: You're a Sato stand, right? You're I'm a standing Sato stan, you're standing for And
1: Sato. I'm ready, I'm ready to turn the corner on Speedball too. I'm actually doing Speedball's thing. I'm punching my fist into my open hand right now. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. Speedball does. And I'm doing that little little nod, right? Because if he can get the shoes on, I'll be team speedball and I'll stop picking on him too.
0: Well, I've always liked his in-ring work, so I can't. Uh... But it does stuff. I can hear you <laughs> hitting your head. All right, stop. I'm doing the hand. Thing. I don't yeah. stop.
1: <laughs> I like it though. I'm doing a little nod too.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. You could do it the rest of the show then.
1: Speedball. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, what about next. Well, I, I, we're, are we going to go back to the Wrestle Kingdom thing, or are we just going to sign off?
1: Not a bit's over, Rich. Okay. Let's all right.
0: Kushida, Taiji Ishimori for the uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship. Kushida, of course, the champion coming in, defending against Taiji Ishimori. Joe, it's weird to predict this, but I think we get another title change here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think Ishimori's winning this match. Whether Kushida's leaving or not, I think he's winning the match. Kushida's only champion because Hiromu got hurt. Right. Um, you know, and it, it's it's his his reign has been nothing to speak of through no fault of his own, or really the company's either. I mean, they were put in a bad spot. They had to do a little mini tournament to crown a champion. And, uh, yeah, I think Ishimori uh, wins the match because, uh, you know, I just I just think it's, it's, it's time for something different. It, with with the juniors now would it stun me if Kushida won no i'm kind of sick of Kushida holding the title yeah i like him as a wrestler a lot i think he has great matches with people like willow spray and, and haramu and everybody else in the division but he had his trademark title run already and he's had three or four other title runs outside of that one this is like his second accidental title run and i'm more interested to see what someone like Taiji Ishimori can do with the belt. I mean, that feels fresh to me. And that's another reason why I think that that the Bullet Club will lose the trios title the next day because I think, uh, you know, they'll get that title off of Ishimori and and just free him up to do whatever he's going to do in the first half of the year with the junior title.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm I made this mention a lot of times about Kushida, but he feels like he's a cloud over this division in a lot of ways. And that's not meant to be a negative, but it's just like he's just kind of there. And, like, I'm reading this match, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Kushida's the, the junior champion. Like, ah, no. Like, I was ready for something different. And, like, if it, if it means that he's going to go to WWE or, or whatever, I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter to me all that much. But I, I think the bigger thing is I just really, really, really want to find a way to get I think Ishimori would be a great champion, and I think that's it, it. It feels new for the division, and 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 depending on whatever happens with the Hiromu, if he comes back, I think him working against, uh, you know, Taiji would be a lot more interesting than him working against Kushida. So just all the all the, the, the signs points to Taiji Ishimori winning this. It makes all the sense in the world that he would win this, and I'm excited for this match too because I think Kushida, regardless of whatever, I think he's a cloud, and I'm kind of sick of him as being the junior champion. He's a great wrestler, so I cannot wait for this match because I know Ishimori is is great as well, and I know these guys they're in a pretty big spot as well. When we really look at this, I mean, it's fourth from the mm-hmm. top. This is a yep. big deal. This is a big junior match. I mean, the, it, it could have been booked at the opener. It could have been booked as the second match on the top. I think there's a reason, a very distinct reason it's fourth in the top. You can't look at at match placement and just think it's random. I mean, it is not random at all. That is a big deal to be fourth in the top for this match. So I expect this to be very good. I expect it to get a lot of time and I expect it to be awesome. I expect Taji Moore to win it too. The only people they're booked beneath are Okada,
1: Naito, and Tanahashi. I mean that's the way you got to look at it, you know. Right, right. It's, it's and they always take care of the juniors on this show, or they have over the last few years anyway. The junior title match is always featured. Um, it's a total myth that New Japan doesn't care about juniors. It's just a myth. Uh, you can't you can't listen to that stuff because it's not rooted in any kind of reality. Um, and and yeah, the cloud thing with Kushida, it's the that you always use is is very apt because when he's around, they almost feel like they have to push him, and that's a problem because it gets in the way. Of other people and other things, and it's, it's he's just in a weird spot where everyone could use a change here. I mean, even if they found him a tag team partner and did something like that, I would embrace it. You know, I just I, I I'm tired of the title.
0: Well, we're uh, in like four, we're in like year five. You know what I mean? <laughs> of him just kind of being, of being the junior heir, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: You know, it's like you're yeah, we're entering like year five of it, and it's like it just it yeah. I, I'm I'm ready for something different with Kushida, whether that's Uh, Anything, joining a stable, finding a partner, going to WWE and working Drew Gulak on 205 Live. I don't care what it is. I'm ready for something different with him because I want to be excited about him again. You know, and, and because I know he's going to deliver bell to bell. It's just, yeah, the cloud thing is very apt.
0: All right, move on here now. The bit, the real business end of the card, I would say, Okada versus Jay White, just a straight singles match here, without a doubt. And you mentioned a little bit earlier the best built match of the entire Russell Kingdom show. I mean, it goes back to to basically you know the beginning of, of, of last year. Just some great little nuggets there. And 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 John Carroll uh, wrote the the profile for for Jay White in our ebook. And John mentioned you know you look at Jay White. And Jay White's been involved in everything in this company this year. He's got tentacles in every little story. And this, you know, breakdown of Okada and White and and Okada getting cocky and and letting White into chaos and White saying, Hey, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna Turn on you and I'm gonna break destroy chaos and Okada being like, yeah, yeah, whatever, buddy. Okay, sure. And then Okada losing the title, and then you know, losing his mind, and then Jay White, you know, kind of coming in and destroying chaos and stealing his mentor and stealing his partner. Like, this build has been awesome. <laughs> like when you really look at the totality of it for the entire year and all the little tentacles and all the little moving parts and all that sort of stuff. I can't wait for this match. And it's gonna be good too. It's gonna be awesome too. But I think it's been the far and away the best built match of this entire show.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. That it's uh that's the best built match on the show and it, it's a it's a, it's a result that can go either way. Um it will really say a lot about now look, it's very clear that they've spent all year trying to get Jay White over as a dastardly heel and a main event, a potential main event level player in case they lose Omega and some of these other guys. You know, it's it, it's it's building your bench. And it's what New Japan is very good at. It's one of the things they're very good at in terms of the booking is constantly restocking the bench and building their bench. And they've done that with Jay White. Um, I don't know what their plans are with Kushida for the rest. uh, I'm sorry, with, with Okada for the rest of the year. It is my personal belief that Okada goes into next year's Wrestle Kingdom as the champion. Naito wins the G1 and the 2020 dome match on a Saturday, maximum opportunity to truly fill the building with their with truly their biggest match. And that's the Naito Okada dome rematch where Naito finally wins the title in front of, I don't know, 50,000 fans from the guy who he fucked up against two years prior, all that, tie a neat bow around it. So I think Okada needs to be kept strong here, but it's so early in the year that I don't really think, I think there's plenty of time to fix all that. But it's still a 50-50 match to me and I don't have a good feel for where they're going with it. All I know is they're going to give this j white they're going to continue with this j white thing and i don't think j white by the way is an absolute lock to be a top star i think he's on the right path i think they've done a great job in in attempting to get him over i think okada was the right guy to do it with but i'm not 100% sold on j white getting all the way there i think he could i could see it flopping too though i can see it both ways but what's really interesting about this is Jay White cannot have another dud on this show.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say th- th- this is like there's two different scenarios that I see here. Is if he has another dud, where does where do we kind of put him? Like, what does that become then? If 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 you know, let's let's kind of rule out Okada for right now. Jay White goes out there and and just it's not great. It just doesn't kind of deliver on that level. It's, it, and and some similar. The, the Tanahashi one is is interesting too because in in hindsight, the match itself was okay. It was fine, but it just. It, it still felt like a dud. You know, it still felt like it didn't deliver on that same level. This match could be the same thing, too. It could be an okay match, a pretty well worked match, but we're looking for, like, okay, we want to know at the end of this that this dude's a made man, that this guy is ready to be a star. And I think anything less than that will be a dud. And and, and in some ways, what do we go from there? You know, what do we say if, if that is the case? If it's just a match that's just fine, if it's just okay, you know, what, what's next for Jay White?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. And New Year Dash will go a long way in in determining where a lot of, where some of these people go and they like to hit the reset button on that shows uh, a lot of the time. And yeah, I don't know. I just think Okada gets back into the main event mix over the course of this year. And Jay White, he's a very interesting person to watch very closely moving forward. New Japan very rarely whiffs in this era when attempting to elevate someone to the main event level. In fact, I can't think of anyone they whiffed on. Um, very briefly with the first Naito G1 win, but obviously that worked out in the end. And outside of that, I, can you think of someone? Whenever they put a genuine effort into elevating someone to that level, it works.
0: Yeah, there's the first Naito. Um...
1: AJ Styles at first, but again, it worked again, out. Again, it
0: worked. Yeah, that one works. They stay um... patient.
1: Um, no, they don't they tend to have a great track, which can tell you one of two things. I mean, maybe they're due to whiff on someone. Right. I mean, I don't really believe in those kind of, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like playing roulette, and betting black, just cause red came up five times in a row. It doesn't really mean anything, but you know, they're going to have to whiff at some point though. Right. Make a bad decision on someone. Someone just doesn't connect. I don't know. Um, if I asked you today, January 2nd, 2019. Will Jay White headline a Russell Kingdom show within the next three years? What would your answer be? I think it'd be no. I think it's an interesting question. Now I think a different question would be, will Jay White headline a successful Wrestle Kingdom show in the next three years? I think I would have maybe have different answers to those questions. Um, I think he will headline a Wrestle Kingdom show. I think three years is probably the perfect point of entry for that. Um, If he's not over by 2023, what are we doing here? Right. I'm not even saying, now listen, this sounds like we're saying that we don't think he's over. Do you think, well, let me ask you, do you think he's over?
0: Uh, I do. I do. But I think he's over too. Yeah, I I think he'd be even if the, he has a kick-ass match here and it's just awesome and it rocks. Like now I'm like, all right. And that's what, that's what I was going to kind of pose the question to you. Cause you were saying, you don't know if he's a star quite yet, but I said, if he goes out here and just fucking kills it with Okada, would you then say, okay, this guy is a star and he's ready to go. I mean, one match really determined that one way or another. So it, regardless, I think he is a star, but I think I'm, I'm still waiting to see the in-ring catch up with, what I think is the aura and the charisma that he has. And that's not to say I think his in-ring stinks. I don't think it stinks at all, but we're talking, if you're going to main event a Tokyo dome, if you're going to main event, wrestle kingdom, if you're going to be a superstar in this company, you have to deliver consistently great matches. And I don't know that he's capable of doing that right now. I know he's consistent. He's capable of consistently drawing heat and getting fans to boo him. But this company is much more than that. There's got to be the combination of the two, and I haven't seen him deliver on that high level yet. Maybe he hasn't had the opportunity to do so. G1 would have been a good chance if he was kind of doing character stuff. This is a great opportunity to do that, though. And if he doesn't do it here, I will question a little bit. But if he does do it, I'll feel a little bit more confident that, okay, this guy is going to be something You know, down the line.
1: Here's what's interesting. He's doing what's asked of him, though. Yeah. They, they want him to do that heavy character stuff and the bullshit finishes and the cheap pins and the fucking weapon shit. The G1 was a perfect example it's funny because we watched after watching Jay white all year in matches that were just loaded with shenanigans. And by the way, the juice Robinson match was awesome. Okay. There is that. Um, I don't know if that was long beach or San Francisco. I can't, that was San Francisco.
0: That was San Francisco. Yeah. That that match is awesome.
1: Yeah. The Josh Barnett match. Yeah. Which got him fired. Basically. I mean, let's be honest. That's (laughs) what got him fired. Um, which would have been a great build to a match, but he was shooting. I mean, so now he's fired. Um, so, but, but you watch Juice Robinson all year outside, not not Juice Robinson, Jay White all year, out, you know, outside of that one match, and it's shenanigans, getting over as a heel, trying to get booed, and he succeeded in all that. And then I watched the Australia tour, which happened in February, after I watched everything else all year, and he was still a Chaos member at that time, and he was just out there wrestling. And he had this sprint against Slex. Do you remember Slex, Rich? He wrestled Okada a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He had this sprint against Slex, who's a pretty good worker. And it kicked ass. It was awesome. And he was in these six man tags out there having fun against the Bucks and having all these other, you know, like, like matches without all of the fucking shtick that they asked him to do later. And I remembered that Jay White's an awesome wrestler. Yeah.
0: Oh, he had incredible stuff in the openers with David Finley and stuff. Yeah, great.
1: He had the, he had a Finley match this year at a Corrigan, remember? Which was awesome. And it's like, I think you know he's been asked to do a certain thing this year because they want him to get over as the next big heel. I, I I you know I'm hoping like you that they go out there and just wrestle a match and. You know, as soon as there's a ref bump or J Je- or, or you know Jado hitting Okada with a fucking Singapore cane, I'm sorry, we have already established that we don't need that. Now, if you want to tell the story that uh, that if the psychology of the match might end up being, oh, here we go again, Jay White's going to steal another one with his bullshit, and then Okada overcomes it, but I don't like that story. No,
0: and I think that's the story you're going to get, unfortunately. I, I do too. And, yeah, and and I hope that everything else before that. And everything after that is good enough to kind of cloud that. But I think 100% that's the story we're going to get here. They tend to be okay at Wrestle Kingdom of keeping that out of there. But given how we said that about G1 too. And then Jay White had an entire G1 where he was just a giant troll the entire time. And and Tomatonga did the same thing. And Bad Luck did the same thing. So I don't. I don't know. I'm not confident again that it's going to be just a straight wrestling match. That it's going to be Jay White just trying to go out there and win it because there's no evidence that that's what he's going to be. There's no evidence that that's the way he's going to work. And and given the, the the build of this feud, there's no evidence that that's how it's going to go either. So I'm worried that's what we're going to get what we're going to get. And I hope that it doesn't completely distract from the match, even though I do feel like it probably will. Because I don't want that either. I just want Jay White to be an asshole in the match the entire time. Okada to kind of overcome him because I don't think any, I don't I don't think Jay White loses anything by Okada just beating him. Uh, you know, after a, you know, long, hard-fought battle, I think Jay in my mind, would lose a little bit if it's just a bunch of shenanigans, and then Okada overcomes them and then beats him because I think that makes him look like more of a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think he looks stronger going toe-to-toe with Okada the entire time, nearly winning and then losing to you know one of the best wrestlers in in, in the company's history versus trying to cheat and then getting overcome. That that kind of that's that's shitty. You know that anybody agree. can do
1: that. Yeah, I agree. But unfortunately, the the right here's the weird thing. The proper story is the one we don't want Yeah, because that really is the logical pro wrestling story to Okada to finally overcome this guy and he gets his and his shenanigans backfire. That's how fucking Jim Cornette would book this thing. That's how that's the pro wrestling story that this should be. But I agree with you. I think Jay White needs a killer match in a traditional sense on the show especially after last year. I don't care what anybody says. That match did not work last year. And, and, and especially after what happened last year, he needs that. And I think that would help him more. I really do. I agree with you. I'm with you hundred percent. I think we're getting the quote unquote right match in this situation, which to me, is the less desirable one. Yeah, but. absolutely. Yeah, it's
0: it's you know Gato walking in with a chair, you know, kind of grabbing the chair, turning around. Jay White yeah. trying to hit his move, ducking out of the way, you know, whatever. You know, hits a rainmate. You know, yeah, that's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully not, but uh, we'll see. Either way, the build is, is enjoy, and yeah, all eyes are going to be on Jay White and see how he delivers, and, and Okada too, because Okada's had kind of a an up and down year as well. Uh, you know, with, with he said it's still an incredible year, but you know. Trying to see where he sort of goes character wise. If he wins yeah, here does he guy get back doing, on yeah. track. You know, does he now yes. is he now ready to go back towards the title and whatnot? And is he back to being a contender? Or if he loses here, does he hit rock bottom? What's the next step there? So I think there's a lot of fun ways that can go. So I'm excited to see what the result of this match is for sure.
1: Sneaky, sneaky match of the night contender if they just have a match.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Cause one that no one no one's thinking about it in that way. They're thinking about the main event and the opener and the Ishii match. No one's thinking about the Okada J White match in that way because we've been conditioned to J White stick. So we'll see.
0: All right. So move on to uh, the semi-main event here: Chris Jericho versus Tetsuya Naito. This is, of course, for the Intercontinental Championship. Chris Jericho defending the title. Against Naito, uh, the build of this has been unique. I think Chris Jericho has once again <laughs> found a way to reinvent himself. Um, I'm ready for this to kind of be over, and it's not anything against Jericho because I think he's he's awesome. I really do enjoy Chris Jericho. I'm just ready for the next story of Tetsuya Naito, and I hope he kind of puts this away, moves on, beats Jericho, and and, and we kind of see the next step of the Intercontinental Championship with Naito, you know, winning it and, and and whatever can happen there. Again, not that I'm down on the build. I'm just kind of ready for a new story here. But but all in all, I'm excited for this for this match. I'm excited to see how Jericho delivers because this cannot be the exact same match they had with Kenny Omega last year. That was a lot of smoke and mirrors. I don't think he can do that again here with Naito. He's going to have to have a little bit more of a straight wrestling match. And I'm curious to see, you know, Jericho at his age, if he can, if he can do that. And I, I'm confident that he thinks he can do it. I just don't know if physically he can do it, but I'm excited to see it.
1: I think they're going to fight. This is a blood feud. And they fought the first time, and Jericho blindsided him and beat him up and bloodied him up while he was still wearing that white suit. Yeah you know, and it made the great visual of Jericho ripping the suit off of him and beating the shit out of him. And I think Naito is going to approach just like a fight. And, um, it's not a lock that he wins. I think he will win. Um, it's just shut down the internet if he loses. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think LIJ fans are going to get their happy ending with Naito. So it's like, I don't think he has to win, but just shut it down if he loses. But I think he will win. Um, by giving by just outfighting Jericho and uh, cause that's kind of story to feud. So I think this will be a very different match and everything else on the card. And you said, you're ready for Naito to do something else. I'm ready for Jericho to do something else. I want to see where they go with Jericho now, because to me, it's like, he still has Tanahashi on the table. He still has Okada on the table. And I don't think he would work a long program with anyone else. You know, he's, he did the Omega thing. He did the Naito thing. And then there's those two guys. I think Jericho is a smart guy, and I don't think he's going to be doing programs with uh, Togi Makabe. You know what I mean? So, um, I think there's interesting thing. There's something real interesting there with Tanahashi, if that's a direction. So, if like Tanahashi, well, you know, I was going to say if Tanahashi loses to Omega, but as I sit here and think about it, even if Tanahashi wins, I mean, you could do a Jericho Tanahashi title match. What do you think about that? even if Jericho loses, because that doesn't matter. I mean, right, right, people, right. people will complain and say, ah, oh, he's getting a title match after he lost, but in to pro wrestling, it doesn't matter. I mean, so it's like, you know, it, it would bother me on, on a very small level, but I would understand that it's a big match for business and you just do it. But it's like, what do you think about Jericho, you know, Tanahashi, whether he wins or loses and then Jericho, you know, attacking him by surprise at some point. And, deciding the Tanahashi's his next target. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't have a good read on, on, on Jericho where he's gonna go and all this sort of stuff. I, I think like people are looking I don't think he's gonna sign with anybody. I don't think he needs to at this point. But is he is he planning on being a long term New Japan guy? I don't know that. I really I don't know. I don't have a good read on on, on him Staying or or them sustainably building anything with them, I think there's there's a risk of, of building a, a, a an actual IWG heavyweight championship match them because he's not going to be around all that much, and that, that's a worry to me. Is if like how do you sort of do that story? Does you know he challenged Tanahashi at the, the New Year Dash and then he doesn't come back until March or April or whatever? Like how do you really work that story out? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I for me personally, I, like I love Jericho, but I don't know that I would get him involved to that high of a level just because I don't know about his commitment level.
1: I think – well, if you do a Jericho IWGP title match against Tanahashi or even a rematch against Omega, if you do either of those matches, it's got to be Invasion Attack, right? Or a Sakura Genesis. A Gen- yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean because you're not going to do it at like a new beginning show, um, not a match of that magnitude. Like I know he did Power Struggle – was it Power Struggle? With Evil, okay? Yeah. But with Evil, you can do a show at that level. You're not going to do a Tanahashi or Omega or Okada match at a beat. You're doing that at Sakura Genesis, Dominion, or Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, or King of War Wrestling. Those are the only places you're doing that level of match. So it would have to be Sakura Genesis. Um, but yeah, I, that's why I'm more interested because I know where Naito, Naito is winning the title next year. I know where he's going. He's winning G1 and he's winning the title. Um, I'm more interested in where's Jericho going because I don't think we're seeing diminishing returns with Jericho yet. I was stunned at how quickly Power Struggle sold out with Jericho evil on top. I didn't think it would do poorly, but Jer- here's the thing about Jericho. Last year at this time, he was over in the West. Now he's over in Japan. So there's it, it still has legs. And I think you milk that Jericho cow. That's some way to put it. I think you milk that Jericho cow. Until you start seeing those diminishing returns and then, you know, at his price tag and everything else, you know, th- then you kiss goodbye. But it has to only be. But again, it, he's running out of top guys to work with if he, if he does go into a third. Program.
0: Right, right. That's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, you know, gun to your head. Would you have Jericho or would you have Naito win the title or do you think it'd maybe be a little more interesting if Jericho kept the title and there's something I think fun the- to do with him?
1: The problem is that really is a lot of big losses for Naito if he loses again.
0: Yeah, no, he shouldn't. I mean, he really, really, really shouldn't lose this
1: match. It's, Like, I, I I, firmly believe that he can lose this and, and easily recover. I don't even think it would hurt him. I think Naito is so fucking over, and they know it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think you have all year... All it takes to rehab anyone in this company is to go on the undefeated in the G1 and win the fucking thing. I mean, let's be honest. They have... Japan New Japan has the ultimate reset button every year. It doesn't matter what you do the first half of the year. You win G1, you're gold. I mean, they've proven that time over time. And, and especially because you're going to beat three or four other top guys on your way there in your block, and then you're going to win a final. So it's like, he could lose it, but I don't. What's the point? Just win the match. What I would like to see is, is Naito beat Jericho? Plus, it's the logical conclusion to the story to beat Jericho. Sure, right, right. So, you know, so what I'd like to see is Naito beat Jericho and then let's evolve this character a little, which is getting stale. How about he respects the belt? How about that? How about we start to see some character growth and he starts to mature and grow up and say, you know what? This is valuable. I am going to. This fucking belt, you know what? I didn't like it the first time, but I am going to make the most of this fucking thing, and I'm going to make it more important
0: than Kenny Omega's belt. Bingo. That's exactly the way I would do it. People keep saying, oh, he doesn't care about the belt. He doesn't care about the belt. It's a secondary belt. What he should say is they're not giving me the chance to get this top belt, so fuck it. I'm going to make this the biggest belt in the company. Yes. I'm going to say, fuck, if you're not going to give me the chance to win that main title and you're going to screw me over or whatever, then screw it. I'm going to make this title the biggest title in the world. I'm going to make this title the one that everybody wants to challenge. I'm going to make this one the one that everybody comes around the world to. And then you can have a main event shows with that title. But that is going to be a key there. And we talked about it uh, you know, years ago about Naito doing that, too, of, of – of, sort of respecting things a little bit more. And I think that would be the way where you can still be disrespectful to the company. You can still do the, hey, you know, it's, it's us against them or whatever, but you could do it in a way where he takes some pride in what he's doing and not throwing the title down. Because that, that benefits nobody. That does absolutely nothing for anybody. If he walks in and throws a title down and kicks it and destroys it and all that sort of shit, that does nothing for it. I love the idea. I'm so glad you brought that up. I love the idea of him coming in there and saying, I am going to make this belt the big belt because I have it. This belt is the most important title in the entire company because I own it. And I'm gonna own it forever. You know, you know, something like that. I think there's just so much more you can do with that versus him kicking it down the ramp or whatever. That does not that does nothing.
1: Hey, let's evolve from that. And 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 use that as the first step of his character growth leading into that dull match that I think they're gonna do in 2020. And it's like I, I think his gimmick, his character needs that. You know, it's like, all right, we get the mall goth thing. We got it already. It's embedded into our brains. He doesn't care about anything. We get it. Now it's time to evolve a little. I mean, that worked and it got him over and all that. And he's got his other crew of mall goths that follow him around and we get it. But now let's evolve some. And that would be a perfect way to do it. where everyone. And here's the other problem with him not caring about that belt. You're telling your fans not to care about it.
0: Right, exactly. That's what I mean. It benefits nobody by him kicking it down and saying, "Ah, oh, this title fucking yeah. sucks." Then why am I going to go buy a ticket to watch you play? You know, and that, I get that that's sort of the character. But I think there's ways to make the character a positive. You, you know, where, where where him sort of taking honor or, or, or taking pride in his title because he's been wronged or whatever is a perfect way to do it. Because yeah, you cannot headline a show with a guy who's kicking a title down the ramp and saying, "Ah, oh, this thing fucking sucks." You know, <laughs> that does that's nothing the for whole anybody.
1: Thing we talking about why should we care if he doesn't? Right. So, and, and you're you're telling all of the Lij fans you don't don't care about this belt. Why? You'd never want to tell fans not to care about anything. You're trying to get money out of fans. They're supposed to care about everything. So, I you know I don't I don't like it from that perspective either. So that to me, that's the route I would go. He wins the title, and there's a sh- a slight shift in his character to where he tells his fans, "Hey, look, we're gonna make this thing more important than that thing. Rally behind me, and let's do this."
0: I love it. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I hope so, man. We'll see. Uh,
1: I'm even excited thinking about that, and I, I am agnostic on Naito. I don't love him. I don't hate him. I don't really care about him. He's a guy on the card to me. If he does that, that in. raises my eyebrows. I'm like, hey, that's interesting. I want to see who he wrestles next month.
0: All right. Uh, match itself. You know, you mentioned that you thought it was going to be a little bit more of a blunder brawl, a fight. Do you think it's like a we're going through tables type thing or you think it's more just kind of brawling? You know, I, I'm trying to get an idea exactly in my head of what I think this match is going to be like. You think it will be? I, I agree it'll be a fight. I don't know. Is it going to be like the Omega thing where it's it, it, it's weapons and tables and all that sort of stuff? Do you, do you see it as that or do you see it as more like kind of a rougher match with punches and, and and maybe some outside stuff, but maybe not full on like we're using weapons type story
1: yeah i don't know how you keep weapons out of it, but I think it leans more in in the direction of what Naito and Jericho did the first time, which just it's a it's a fight it 's the best way i could describe yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a it's the old school fight it's it's a it's an old uh you know um, Georgia territory or Crockett territory or or the Blanchard territory street fight where they wear knee pads over their jeans and they fight (laughs) and they bleed and the women are screaming. And, and, you know, that's what I see. And, and, and I I think that I don't think they're going to go in there and, 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 you know, um, you know, do hip tosses. I think they're going to fight and I think Naito is going to show a different side even in the build, I mean, he's saying things like, I am going to kill Chris Jericho, and he's never going to wrestle again. When have you heard Naito say things right. like that?
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely, uh, he's definitely inspired by this one, so that's cool. Yeah. All right, so then we get to our main event. We talked about it a little bit here. Kenny Omega defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, this is going to be one as you said. When the result comes down, regardless of which way it goes, people are going to be talking. If Tanahashi wins, it's Omega's done, and he's going all elite, and he's never coming back. If Omega wins, then oh my god, New Japan's working with all elite. I can't believe it. Um, where are you kind of leaning in this story? I tend to think everything's sort of leaning towards Tanahashi winning the title here, and I think it's probably the right move. I don't know what that means for Kenny Omega in the future, but I like the idea of Tanahashi kind of getting the full redemption story. Then again this whole redemption story may have been just to kind of build Kenny Omega too. I don't know. It, it, it's, I want to be confident in one of the directions, but I just can't be. And that's awesome. You know, I'm going to this main event, not really knowing the result.
1: Yeah, it's great because I do think it's a coin flip match and I really don't want to convince myself of one side or the other. Cause I just want to sit back. Here's the other thing about this match. And with all the talk, all of the endless bullshit talk that about Kenny Omega and all this, but what's lost here? is they're going to have a great fucking match.
0: Oh, these are two of the best.
1: And, and they are two guys who always deliver in this kind of spot. Kenny Omega takes so much pride in his performances. He's, and he's in there with an all-time great. And you've got Tanahashi in there who always finds a way. He, he's brilliant. You have two geniuses in the ring with each other. And um, there there's, it's almost impossible to me that they wouldn't go in there and have a great match Uh, in the biggest match of the year for their company and two guys who haven't really worked together all that much. Their last program was cut short by injury and um, you know, they're, they're, they're as close to stone cold locks to delivering as anyone in in the business. And they're in there with each other. It's a huge match. And Omega has had a ton of time to sit and think about spots and think about what he wants to do. Tanahashi is always brilliant in coming up with things. Oh, these are
0: two brilliant pro wrestlers. I mean, brilliant, <laughs> yeah. It's just absolute it, artists in the true
1: sense of the word. I mean, you yeah. throw words around, but they are brilliant. They are brilliant pro wrestling minds. And um I just want to sit back and enjoy the fuck out of it without, you know, wanting to be right about a finish or or expecting a finish and not getting it. I just, it's a coin flip and I want to watch it play out and and just lose my shit and suspend my disbelief for, <laughs> I was going to say 30 minutes, but who the fuck no, knows? Oh, this thing I, is going. <laughs> who knows? Um, you know, so that, that's the way I'm approaching it. Either way, there's going to be so much. I think this, the speculation with Omega adds to the match. Oh, for I think sure. That kind of oh, stuff yeah, is yeah. exciting. I think that's good. I think that's fun. I think the level of hate that people have for Kenny Omega adds to the match because it makes everyone more emotional. Um, you know, so, you know, cause there's a lot of people who are going to want Tanahashi to win this match very badly. And I don't care who wins the match. I'm fine with either result. Um, so it's like, I, I don't know. I don't have a prediction. If you put a gun to my head and force me to pick someone, which would be very mean. I don't know why you would do that to me and, and, and threaten my life over a wrestling match. But Rich Krej, if you put a gun to my head.
0: Often, I, would have so. to... I don't know why. Yeah, we should really reel it in here. It's, not, it's really not that big of a deal. It's a pretty but, you know.
1: violent show. We put a lot of guns to each other. Right? <laughs>
0: I, know, I think I said that earlier. You
1: know that? It's, that's
0: really... God a... damn it! Joe will predict this match. <laughs> that, that is an odd turn of phrase. I know. Have... It, it, it's kind of, we use it's it like kind of haphazardly, head. but I would, I would never do that to like a friend yeah. of mine. Like... I
1: was like, Rich, I don't care all that much about who you think is going to win this. I'm not... No. Like,
0: oh, well, I do. Like, Let's go, Joe. Who do you think? It's not
1: that important. <laughs> Omega,
0: yeah. Tanahashi. Let's go, buddy.
1: Is there a bullet in that chamber? Like, legit? What hey, are you look, doing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you tell me. You'll find out. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I, I, I if I'm on the spot, I, I think I'll go with Tanahashi. I wouldn't have said that a week ago.
0: Hmm. So you think the all elite uh, elite speculation makes you a little bit more? Do you think they then sort of think that, okay, look, you know, hey, until you tell us 100% that you're with us, we don't, because that's kind of where I'm at as well. I'm kind of of the same mind too that I think it's interesting though that he wasn't involved in any of the videos that he's been, as you said, sort of in the back or whatnot, which is, I, I I don't know. It might be down to the you know the last hour of negotiations until they figure out you know what's going on or whatever. Is Tanahashi a guy who's going to kind of want to live with that, or is he a guy that's going to want to know now? You know, hey, what the hell are we doing in this match? Am I winning or am I losing? I
1: changed my mind. I'm I, look. I, I'm not going to get wrapped up and get worked by Kenny Omega. My I think it makes more sense for. I, I thought a week ago that it made more sense for Omega to win. So I I think Omega wins the match. I'm not going to get worked by all this all all lead stuff. I think. If the plan was for Omega to win, and I think it was, I think they'll stick with it. So I, I, I'm I'm changing my pick, Rich. Wow.
0: All right. <laughs> You're back on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the redemption story is pretty cool with Tanahashi. I, I like that idea, but I think it, it, it still works if he gets all the way here and then loses. Because I don't know that Tanahashi needs this title right now. He does not. He doesn't. And and I think what would be important is Kenny Omega winning here and then hopefully righting the wrong of whatever the, the title has been. And maybe he has a really good title run here. Maybe he starts to respect, you know, Japanese wrestling and, and and the New Japan a little bit more. And he does a handshake or whatever. I think that's a much better story to me. Because Tanashi winning the title again, it's just I don't know. It just feels similar to the Kushida thing that we talked about earlier. I'm glad I'm glad as hell that Tanahashi is in this match, and I'm awesome that we got to see this run. And we awesome we got to see 2018 be kind of the redemption year of of Tanahashi. But I don't want 2019 to be a, an extension of that you know redemption year. I think he's had his time in the sun. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think that he'd be a good representative of of the future of New Japan. I think it's a great idea to get if you have a Stone Cold Lock from Omega and you know that Omega's hanging around and 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 he's he's you know. Here, then, then, then—that's obviously the right play to do more than a Tanahashi. But again, I, and that's where the fascinating part is going to be: is that if Tanahashi wins, my mind's going to be going in all tons of fucking directions. But like you said, regardless of that, I'm just going to be sitting down, waiting, and 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 and, and ex- excited to watch. Two fucking geniuses, <laughs> like two of the greatest wrestlers ever. Two of the smartest wrestlers ever. Two of the guys that, that that think of this craft different than anybody else. Having there is no doubt in my mind. We talked about it last year when we were previewing Wrestle Kingdom and certain guys like you know the the, the Naito Okada a match and, and 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 basically anything Tanahashi does. Like there is no chance in hell that this match doesn't rock because these two dudes are too smart to do that. Omega always delivers with the right opponents. He always delivers with those top top tier opponents. And Tanahashi has been delivering for 20 years. You know what I mean? In terms of stuff with top tier opponents. So I have no, not even a a thought in my mind that this match is anything less than great. I'm just excited to kind of sit down and watch it and not know what the finish is going to be. And then really, really overreact immediately upon the finish (laughs) and decide that the fate of the wrestling world has now changed because this man won this match, even though that might not be the case, but I'm excited to sit down and do it. So,
1: I think it's going to have off the charts heat too. For all the talk of the poor build, I, I I don't think that's going to be reflected in the crowd. And I think that's going to help the match. Because both of those guys know how to soak that in and do the right things with that. Um, Yeah, I, I think to me, it's the safest bet for match of the night when you consider it's the main event. So it instantly has an advantage. And who's in it and all the things that we talked about. I think it's the safest bet for match tonight. I think it will be the match of the night. Um, but it, how about this scenario? I just thought of this.
0: I like scenarios. Let's go. What do you got?
1: Tanahashi wins, and he doesn't hold the title long term or anything like that. They they wrap up his little comeback story here. He vanquishes Kenny. New Japan is the superior superior fighting style. All that all that jazz. The last time he got in the ring with Okada, he beat him. Doesn't Okada have to get that back?